Welcome to Savvy Savage Podcast on Call-In. This is episode 100. Woo! Believe it or not, we've reached 100. Bree and MTG Coalition building, based on what you saw from Bree and MTG segment on Rising, should we build coalitions with different parties around shared interests? And when I say different parties, that means different uh, individuals, etc., not just uh, political parties. So I want to hear from you guys. What do you think about that? Let's go ahead and bring in Miss Robin. Savvy. You are on the mic. Hello. Happy 100th episode. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. I am, uh, you know, I try not to miss. I, you know, I've been missing uh, lately and everything, but I, I love your call in. Um, I love Breeze call-in, but I love your call-in even more than Breeze and Aaron Mate's and Katie Alburns. I mean, you're the every time I see your face as one of the, the top call-in things, it just makes me smile. Oh, thank you so much. Oh. <laughs> so how do you feel about all this? How do you feel about this idea of coalition building? And how do you feel about the the interview with Bree and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene? Although Robbie was there too, but it seems like um, Bree uh, did more of the talking there. You know, these people that always got something negative to say about everybody else. I mean, these are the people that 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 never produce anything on their own. They always got a you know bad mouth what you doing and all this sitting on the sidelines. They always, oh, your stuff is no good or whatever, but they won't actually get on the field and play. So that just makes me sick. So I'm glad that uh, Robbie and Bree had Marjorie Taylor Greene on their show. I'm glad that it was a respectful interview, that they really took the time to ask her, like you said, deep and, and thoughtful questions and stuff. And, did, you know, they didn't get all down into the, the gutter with, you know, just, just goofy stuff. And uh, I thought that it was a very well done interview. Um, you know, I agree with Marjorie Taylor Greene that we need to end. I look, I go further than her. I want to end all the wars. You know, I'm on the, the Ron Paul thing. We marched right up in there. Let's march right on up out of there. You know, it is, mm-hmm. and not just with uh, this proxy war with Ukraine, but anywhere else that we have all these boots on the ground to get out of there. You know, all these 800, what, we're up to 800 uh, uh, military bases or installments all over the world. That's ridiculous. We need to start shutting that stuff down. So, okay. So Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, she's kind of wishy-washy to me in terms of, uh, well, I want to end this one war, but I'm, I don't want to cut the funding for the military. That doesn't make any sense to me, especially like you said, since, they haven't been able to pass an audit in like the past five or six audits, you know? So what yep. do you mean that you want to give them, keep giving them the same amount of money and they can't account for any of the money that they've already spent, but fine, be that as it may, if she wants to pull out of, uh, you know, our involvement in Ukraine, if that's all that we can agree on as, you know, as a coalition, let's start there. And that's a victory. You know, it doesn't always have to be, I need the whole pie or it's nothing. I mean, that's just not, that's not even how adults talk. And, you know, nobody gets anything done that way. And uh, 
like one of the, I don't know if, I don't remember if it was you or if I was listening to, to Nick or somebody else or whatever, where they talk about, you know, when it comes to, to, uh, other things going on, you know, the, uh, the people, the, the rich, they never break ranks, you know, that they, they have class solidarity. And, uh, and I was like, you know what, that's absolutely right. And so if they can have class solidarity in terms of, you know, whatever is going on when it comes to their money, they, they stick together type of deal. We can have solidarity in terms of, uh, you know, ending these wars and making sure that we put in people in place that's going to hear our call to not send our sons and daughters out there in these foreign wars, you know, risking their lives. That's got to stop. And now, like I said, I would go further than than um, than Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's talking about she wants to run the uh, the government as a business. Fine. The biz- the biggest government expenditure that we have is our military. And like we already said, okay, you know, they they don't they're not even keeping account of the money that we're already giving them. If you're a business person and you already know that your biggest expense, the person who's managing that can't even account for the money that you're giving them, wouldn't that make business sense to if if nothing else, freeze the money that they're getting until they can get their house in order? type of deal wouldn't that make sense well for me it's it's all the wars it's not just this war with russia and ukraine so that's what was kind of interesting to me she's like well i'm again spending money in this one i'm like what about all the other ones exactly (laughs) i'm 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 all against spending money in all the other ones too and like i said i'm all for shutting down military bases all you know you can't make me believe that if we got rid of half of the military bases that we'd be less safe I don't believe it for one minute, you know, maybe if we got rid of two thirds of the military base. Now I'm not in the military industrial complex. You know, I don't know all of the ins and outs of those things, but 800 sounds a bit ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, but, but, at, but at the end of the day, like I said, we, they want us to not uh, join together. That's their whole point. And so why would we grant them that? by fighting over stupid stuff to where it's, where we say, well, because Marjorie Taylor Greene is for ending the war in Ukraine, but she's okay with China, so we can't talk to her. No, like I said, t- let's take what we can get right now. And we'll come back to the negotiation table about other things. But this all or nothing thing, you'll never get any progress done like that. So that's my two cents. That's a good point, Robin. I think the all or nothing thing is a a big part of the problem um, for a lot of people. It it just comes to seem like, well, if we can't agree on every single issue, then nothing's going to happen here. We're not going to come together for any issue. And I think, and like I continue to say, rich people don't think like that. Rich people protect their class interests at all costs, regardless if they agree with each other uh, politically or not. They agree with each other when it comes to money. Right. And like you said, okay, so, okay, if she's about to end in this Ukraine war, if that's the only war she wants to end, that's great because this is the one war that's, that's marching us toward nuclear annihilation. <laughs> so yeah. why, why are we arguing about, oh, well, she don't, she wants to go into Haiti, I don't know, which I don't know if she does or not. But let's say, though, okay, well, we're not talking about nuclear strikes in Haiti. We're talking about nuclear strikes in Ukraine. She's saying she wants she wants to be done with that. Let's join her in that 
Let her put her money where her mouth is. Gather up other people in Congress to agree and get that done. And then we can actually have some breathing room to debate all of the other stuff. But right now, you've got two nuclear powers, you know, staring down each other, playing chicken over this stupid little piece of land called Ukraine, killing up the Ukrainians. You know, they're not stupid. You know, this war is stupid. And then, you know, like I said, it's even more, it's even worse with China kind of being in the wings, which we're provoking them as well. So, no, let's do it, whatever it takes to end this war right here. And then we can go back to the drawing board about everything else. Oh, Robin, I couldn't have said it better myself. All right. Well, I'm going to get on off since you already have, you know, a line of people and you're not going to be on. But again, uh, happy 100 episode. Keep up the fight. Thank you so much, Robin. All right. I'm going to go ahead and bring in Betsy. What is going on, my fellow Massachusetts? Hey, Sabi, happy 100th. Um, so excited for you. I remember your first Colin episode. I believe that I participated in that. And it seems like so long ago. It's crazy. So I just wanted to say a big uh, congrats and mazel tov and hallelujah on that <laughs> for starters. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So a couple, uh, couple of things. Um, one, um, which ties into what we are just talking about, you know, with nuclear, potential nuclear annihilation. Um, and I'm sorry I missed the, the live stream tonight, so I don't know if you covered it. But we are going to be sending a nuclear-armed submarine to South Korea for the first time since 1981. Oh, um, yeah. And this is, like, really scary shit. Um, I mean, this is it's a big deal. This stuff, you know, over 40 years. Um, they claim, oh, it's symbolic. But when you've got that going on, the shit going on in Russia, with Russia and Ukraine and potential war in, you know, China slash Taiwan, it doesn't look good. You know, uh, the, that clock. Are they insane? They're, they're totally insane. Okay. So given that, all that, and it's, I don't mean to be pessimistic, but I just, you know, it doesn't look good. Maybe it, maybe it's not going to happen in our lifetime, but mm, I'm, I don't know. But I feel like in the meantime, we have no control over that. So we just have to work on making everyone's lives better, you know, do what we can on a, on a hyper local level. And I am trying to do that um, for a, a specific uh, cause um, something that cropped up just in the past week. Um, and this also has to do with coalition building. So <clears throat> I'm part of a, of this community based group that's, it's not, you know, party affiliated or anything, but it cuts across class lines um, that a friend of mine put together when we were trying to make my town a remember they're called sanctuary cities. Um, and then they started calling them safe communities um, to be like politically correct um, or not sound as scary. So we actually, my town actually became a quote unquote safe community um, a few years ago. And the group has stayed together since then. And we try to uh, help, you know, any uh, like immigrants in the, in the community. Um, so we found out about this 
this man um, who works in my town. He lives one town over. Um, the family is undocumented and there's a newborn and a two-year-old. And they came from a South American country. I'll just leave it at that to try to keep, you know, things uh, vague. And they are going to be out of their housing on Wednesday. And so this has pretty much been all hands on deck trying to scramble to find this family housing. Um, they do have a budget and there is a little bit of housing in my town. Uh, not much uh, that would be in that budget. But the problem is that a lot of these places require an application. What goes along with that application? A social security number and credit check. Um, there is no social security number <laughs> for them. So that's that's a problem, right? Um, and I've basically seen in the past, you know, couple a couple of days, like I knew our system was really broken, but I have seen now even more so how awful it is. And I actually heard, I, we don't know if this is true, um, but there was somebody in our group who said that she believed that you could not even uh, uh, get emergency shelter from the Department of Housing uh, unless you have spent at least one night in unsafe conditions. And I'm I first of all, it shouldn't even be the case, even if it's like a, say a single adult, but it should it should definitely not be for a family that includes a newborn and a toddler, and. Like how screwed, like Savvy, how screwed up is this? Like it is so screwed up. I've reached out to various legislate legislators and legislative aides, and act and Senator Eldridge. Uh, you know, he because I'm in his district. He he provided a little information. Um, and there's another uh legislator or state rep, uh, one town over, who's himself an immigrant. And his aide was fabulous, and and we talked for a long time. And he has some contacts, maybe at two one one, which I didn't know about. And you know, I'm learning about all this stuff, but it's so ridiculous. Like basically, this family is we're gonna have to probably go fund me so we can put them up in a hotel or something because even to get emergency shelter, they're gonna try to like give him whatever is is open which could be like an hour away and he has no car so he has to be in or near my town so that he can continue to work and provide for his family um so yeah, i was just gonna you know, say this is crazy for people who don't know Massachusetts was one of those states that said that we would have sanctuary cities here right mm -hmm. so yeah. they established that rule and they allowed for people to come to the sanctuary cities then it's like once they got here then it was like okay what do we do with them now and it's just yeah this exactly. should have already been the decided like I, I don't this is ridiculous right and we have all of these like vacant properties including in my town um we have some and like what are we doing and even aside from that there's enough housing in this country to house everybody twice over all the homeless people and then there'd still be vacancies. So 
It is just insane. And I'm actually, I'm glad the reason I, I got in the queue so early and I'll, I'll keep, you know, I'll wrap it up because uh, I know you want to call it an early night so you can party, <laughs> celebrate your hundredth. Um, but uh, I'm going to be, there's a, a network of us who are, who are giving him rides to and from home because when he can't get a ride, he has to spend, you, you know, get an Uber and, that's not cheap, even just one town over. So, um, you know, I'm going to be giving him a ride home. This will be my first time meeting him. And there is a language barrier, but, you know, do, do we'll do our best. And, and um, you know, I just, I hope that I can get through it without crying because it's so awful. Like I would just have them stay in my house if I could, if I didn't have a psychotic dog. <laughs> you know, no, but it like in all seriousness, like that's not the solution either. But like, it uh, believe me, like I I would do it in a heartbeat. I would because it's just it, it, nobody should have like housing is a human right, and like you know, obviously they don't have health care. I think they're going to be able to get their kids on something just because they're so little. Um, and eventually, you know, he'll be able to get a driver's license because you don't have to be documented. But what's the point? He doesn't have a car. Like the whole thing is so it's so screwed up, savvy. But I did, you know, I just I felt like kind of just tying it together. We have this coalition. And yes, most of the people in the coalition consider themselves progressive, but not everybody. Um, I would say, yeah, there's people who wouldn't say that. And there's probably some conservative people in there who just aren't as vocal about it because you know, that's, people tend to be a little quiet about that, you know, like they're not going to out, like be outwardly like, oh, I'm, you know, Trump, Trump won and all this stuff. And um, Trump, his record on, on immigrants was terrible, but, but so is Biden. So is Obama's like, right. So there's a mix of people in this group. There's vote blue, no matter who folks. And there's people like my friend who organized the group, who's a total communist. So it's something that we like, there's this solidarity and we're centered around this issue. And now we have another, apparently another immigrant from, I think, uh, Eastern European slash Russia based on the, the name. And they're looking for housing for their family. And so like, I just found this out like an hour ago. So there's more work to do. And like, this is what my focus is going to be. And by the way, Roger, cause I know you're listening. I said to Jamie last night, I said, Jamie, wouldn't it be great if we had a public bank that could give loans uh, to, you know, zero or low interest loans to people who wanted to build uh, additional, you know, public housing and emergency housing and low income housing, all that. And he's, he agreed with me. He, I, I thought he was going to push back and say, no, no, they can't do that. The problem is we need to do something now. Right. So this is like, I have asked Jamie and others about legislation to like, if a, if a building is vacant for more than a certain amount of time that it, it has to be like by law, it would have to be used for this purpose. Um, and so I'm just going to run with it and see what I can do. And, you know, um, I, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a sad story, but hopefully it will have a good outcome. And, um, you know, 
that's really all I want to say about it. But it's well, let me bring in Eric, Eric, because Eric's yeah. in Massachusetts too. Mm-hmm. Eric, uh, what what do you think about this? Like, yeah, oh, I'd love to hear if anyone on the on the call ha- is in Massachusetts and might have leads or ideas. Yeah, for me. you know, you can yeah reach out. Um, I'll put my email in the chat and you can reach out that way. Yeah. Eric, you just have to unmute. Um, I'm curious to get your opinion about this because she's right. Like we established these sanctuary cities here and then people came here and then it was like, okay, well, where are they going to live? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, some of that's always just like political posturing and whatnot. I mean, there's, there, there's the, the short term and the long term and, you know, and, and in the short term, you know, we need to be helping people as much as we can. And, and you know, and there's just so many, you know, there's got to be hundreds, if not thousands of families out there like this. I, I think in, in the longer term, you know, it's, I mean, in the, in the larger picture, in the large, in the longer term, it's, it's the same old thing of that, you know, our, our government sucks. I mean, they don't, they don't represent us, you know, they, they represent, they represent the money and interest and, you know, around these parts and a lot of other parts, the money and interest, you know, is a lot of real estate interest. And the, the thing that we need to do is, you know, build a ton of cheap, affordable housing is the, the people that own our representatives hear that and they see their, their um, portfolio values potentially going down because, you know, the less housing there is, the more, expensive it can be um and so you know it, it to me it always comes back to the money and it, you know and it comes back to to campaign finance and 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 those things because until you cut that cord our government's going to suck i think it, it's simple as that as far as the big picture all right thanks so much um thanks for that eric thanks so much betsy i'm gonna bring in uh natalie who i think you may be a new caller Hello, Natalie. You just have to unmute. I, I am a new caller. Um, I'm actually new to everything. Like I've, I've just been on Twitter recently. It's all kind of come about in the last month. And um, I, I've been following RFK Jr. And I have followed him for a little bit. So the last call in I was on Dwayne um, spoke a lot about him and I kind of agreed with a lot of what he said, but my question for you was, um, a lot of is saying that he could do if he were to become president. I know that's the go into the agencies because he understands how they're set up and, you know, he's been suing Monsanto and all these agencies and they have a similar profile and he understands how they work and being able to, I mean, I think he referenced Alaska, like basically just firing them. Um, And I just, I was just wondering from people who really understand how politics works, how realistic do you think it is for him to be able to, you know, change um, the structures of these agencies so that they're not tied drives? Oh boy, that is a good question. I honestly, I don't, I honestly don't know, but I, I will say I think he would need to have some backing. I think he would need to have other politicians 
kind of in his corner for this. Um, But I think that it can be done. It's just a matter of, you know, where is he going to catch the heat from? So this is the interesting thing about RFK Jr. Because right now you have Republicans like Marjorie Taylor Greene who agree with this. They agree with getting rid of the FBI. Right. Or agree with getting rid of, um, you know, the CIA, these alphabet letter agencies. But it seems like most of that rhetoric is coming from the right. So (laughs) that's, that's the weird part. That's why this is weird. But the thing is, is that does that mean that he may have to try to find a way to, when we talk about building coalitions, he may have to find a way to build coalitions with people that are Democrats and people that are Republicans and people that are independents. And and that's why another reason for this conversation tonight, when we talk about who do we build with and who do we not build with, this is just something to think about. And so if if that's something that he wants to do, because I know he's talked about that, then that may mean that he may have to get some type of support or solidarity from people from the right. Because right now, even if you look at the regressives, I don't call them progressives anymore, the regressives like AOC <laughs> and Jamal Bowman in them, mm-hmm. they're not saying to defund and get rid of the FBI. Right. But what's interesting about it, he keeps referencing it, like, like in a few interviews, he's referenced it in a way where it's one thing he could do without congressional, um, I, I guess, without like legislate, like he doesn't need, it, it's not like passing a bill or legislation, like his own tomorrow if he was president he could fire the top heads you know he makes this claim that like 90 percent of the agencies are not bad people it's just that they're run by people who've had the positions for 50 years who are in the pocket i think he uses the epa as a good example because i think he spent most of his time as an environmental lawyer and um just basically that he would fire like the top ranks of these organizations and i just feel like you know we, we talk about like what happens when politics, when people have to agree and, you know, work together. But if he could actually do a lot of that on his own, could that be a very powerful move as a president? Or is it just unrealistic to think that he could really go into, you know, the NAH and CDC and just fire all these people and give the job to someone else? Like, I just, it sounds so great, but like, is that realistic? I think he could do it. I, I, I definitely think it could be done. Yeah. The problem is, is like nine times out of 10, he's probably going to get some blowback right. from that. Right? right. So that's why I said it'll be good for him to have other politicians in his corner when that blowback comes. So when that blowback happens and it will, he'll have people by his side that can defend what he did. Right. Sort of the way how um, what you see right now, well, Biden's probably not a good example But sort of the way how Trump, even though some of the decisions that he made, Republicans, for the most part in D.C., like Lindsey Graham was was another one, they didn't really, remember they didn't like the things that Trump was saying in the beginning when he won? But eventually, as a party, they all got behind Trump. All of them, the Republicans in D.C., they all got behind him, even though they didn't agree with some of the decisions, things that he was saying early on. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is he going to be able to get people to rally behind him? Because the thing is, if you have that support from other people that are there with you in D.C., 
then when you do catch that heat, which you would probably get it from the media first, you know, you have those other politicians to go on to, you know, CNN, MSNBC and Fox News and defend you. And it's the same thing that you see right now with Pramila Jayapal and Ro Khanna and Elizabeth Warren and AOC. Yeah. It's always the same people that go into these shows and defend what Joe Biden's doing right now. You would have to have that because if you don't have that support with your actions, then people are going to be calling for your head. And then they'll try to find a way, okay, let's create some type of impeachment to get RFK Jr. out of here. So you you still need to have that support. Someone is going to have to back you. So I think if he had that, then I think he could do it. Well, I don't know. I remember Trump said he was going to hire RFK Jr. to, I don't know, some kind of health initiative where maybe it was the vaccine safety thing. And it didn't happen. Clay. That fell apart. Um, and... I'm, I mean, it's it's kind of curious why it fell apart. Obviously, he was swayed against it. <laughs> it wasn't allowed. Um, but I just I wonder if RFK just maybe has a little stronger character and that we know that Trump, you know, said a lot of things to appease certain people. And as soon as corporate money came in, he, you know, he, he went those directions. I wonder if maybe the fact that he has some more integrity <laughs> than Trump, that maybe it would work. I don't know. That's really all. I, I just wanted to bring up that one point. All righty. Well, thank you so much for that, okay, Natalie. Thanks. All right. I'm going to pivot really quick to Noel. I want to get your take on coalition building to hear how you feel about that. And then I'll go ahead and bring in uh, Darlene. Ooh, happy 100th, girl. Party over here! Party over here! Yes! That's so wonderful. Um, As for coalition building, I think um, coalition building is fine, but when we talk talk about it, we are actually talking about coalition building versus partnering for certain transactional things. So for me, the concept of dealing with um, Marjorie Taylor Greene and her willingness to see the Ukraine um, war defunded from the American side. To me, that's more of a partnering transactional thing, and that's fine. But I think coalitions are a bit more durable. And I believe in building them because they do represent a way forward. But I um, am very circumspect and in terms of people thinking coalition building is the solution. Um, I think we the, the solutions, the real um, solutions to America's problems have to be with a refocus. And, you know, on the objectives like truth and justice, and we can arrive, you know, from wherever we are on those places. And certainly coalitions get us a part of the way. But um, I don't think coalitions will endure past um, what is convenient um, for people. And I just think, you know, we have some real fundamental problems in this nation. 
And I think coalition building can be the start to some of them, but we're going to have to have some real come to Jesus um, before we can get to, you know, the core solutions in this country. But, but coalition building in and of itself, I think, is a good thing. Um, it's just that I don't think people are real. I don't think Marjorie Taylor Greene is a good faith actor. Um, I think she's, you know, circumvented a lot of the core issues that Bree was raising. Bree would ask a direct question and she would answer around the edges. Um, you know, and it, and when I say she's not a good faith actor, it's just like you and, um, Oh, what's the other young lady, the first young lady, Robin, when you all were discussing the fact that she's willing to see the Ukraine war defunded, but she doesn't want to deal with military funding. And so I'm saying, mm-hmm. well, what type of sense does that make? And, <laughs> you know, it really doesn't because the military budget is the biggest single you know, element to the American budget. So, and as you indicated, they haven't been able to pass audits. And we're talking about trillions of dollars of money that can't be accounted for. So um, how serious can you really be about running this country like a business or anything else if you aren't willing to tackle what is the biggest piece of the problem, and then you don't want to do the social spending that will help the most um, people in this country, the most poor in this country, you're against those type of things. So yeah, anybody can get on anything and say, something that sounds good. Trump was very good at sounding populist, but he had a track record that did not match up with that. So, you know, and it's just like people are saying, oh, well, you know, Tucker Carlson had some different people on his show. Yeah, but Tucker Carlson's trademark was very white supremacist in its orientation. And you just can't wipe that away because you were able to entertain a few good things here and there. To me, it's like a teaspoon of sanitizer to a cesspool. Yeah, we know it's in there, but it doesn't pass the smell test. (laughs) So, you know, I'm good with coalitions, but like I say, I'm very practical and, you know, my eyes are open in terms of how far we can go with people who's day-to-day baseline actions aren't in alignment with the one or two things they say, because your actions really do speak louder than words. And, you know, and, you know, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene has heard about, you know, the Uhuru situation. I mean, her head cannot, you know, (laughs) she is not that far out of loop. She just didn't want to cross those issues. And you know, and I know that that positioning and Tucker Carlson speaking and had entertaining guests who spoke about that was a line that he crossed. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that had as much to do with his being let go. You know, it may have been the straw that broke the camel's back. But, 
you know, it's just, you know, when you come from a cesspool, you're going to stink. And that's just that. <laughs> I love your analogies, Noelle. Darlene, what's your take on all of this in coalition building? And also, Darlene, do you think people are, are wrong for even having the conversation? One of the things that happened is some people were smearing uh, Breonna Joy Gray because she even had this discussion with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, well, first, I want to tell you happy 100. And no, I think it's a good thing. I mean, that's the reason arising. You have two different points of view. I think it's very good. I think a lot of the podcasters should go on with other podcasters who think differently than them. So you can talk about these issues, not even argue. You know, I've seen the left go against the left. Let the left go against the right and have a, a civil conversation. I would have loved to see you sit down with her. Because, you know, you it's nice when you see people, you don't have to agree with them, but you have a civil conversation. Like when they used to be on CNN and one person yelling on this side and one person yelling on that side. It was ridiculous. You couldn't understand anything. So I think it was very good. And I think that we could build something if it's only on one issue. Like if it's all just to stop the war. I mean, because it seems like people, maybe that's one thing everybody will agree on. So no other, you know, not discussing other issue, but if you could bring one issue together, because wasn't that like with um, Fred Hampton, they had very li limited issues that they fought for, that they coalition together with the right, that, you know, they didn't agree with them on a lot of things. So I think it could bring a lot together. And then the one other thing I wanted to say was the other caller who called about RFK Jr. I mean, when I seen his speech, I really liked what he had to say, and I thought it was moving. But all in all, he could get to the, he could get on the stage with Joe Biden. He could get to the primary and win every state. But the Democratic Party will still cheat him. There's a super delegates. They've shown they've cheated Bernie twice. We see them as cheaters. That's like going to a boyfriend and expecting him not to cheat on you again. He's they're gonna cheat on you. So I don't understand. Maybe this, you know, if you're not running as an independent, then I'm not vote. I'm not going. I'm not gonna waste my time. I'm not going to primary. I'm definitely not get, uh, um, donating money to any of them. But if you made it. To to the main state, if you made it to the presidential, then I might do it. So that's just the way I feel about all of it. Yeah, I definitely have learned my lesson from donating money to politicians. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I donated a lot to Bernie Sanders and squad members. And I said I would never do that again. So I've learned my lesson there. And I think you have a really good point when you bring up what the DNC will do regardless. Like you said, even if he were to win every state, the superdelegates could still give it to Joe Biden. And you're right. We did see that happen with um, with Bernie Sanders. And I think these are the kind of things that need to be said. You know, I, I feel like some people just they don't want to hear this. They don't want to hear it. And I'm like, I said this earlier today when we were on RBN. It was me, Roger and Lucy. And we were talking about, you know, the Bernie Sanders movement is over and how to move forward. And you know, there were some people in the chat that were like, well, RFK is better than Bernie and da, da, da. And I had to keep, you know, I had to reiterate, it's not about the person. Mm -hmm. It's not like, that's just, that's a small piece of the puzzle. It's about the system that they're going into. You can be better than Bernie. You can be 10 times better than Bernie. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that the system in place is not going to cheat you in the end. 
Exactly, and I don't think, I don't understand, like, if he ran as an independent and he was talking about the FBI, the only thing he would, if he get in speeches and talk about they kill my family and stuff like that, and I think people would relate to it and understand it, And but run as an independent and curse both parties out, I don't understand why these politicians, it's like, it's sitting in their face. Every time there's somebody who's going against establishment, the people love it. Why wouldn't you do it if you want to be popular and run? I don't understand them. Do you think in the end he's going to tell people to vote for Joe Biden? If he, he like Kim told him, that'd be the stupidest thing you could do. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't put it, I would hope not, but if he does it, it would be the same thing as Bernie. I already believe Marianne Williamson, she already makes, you know, you could see that written on her. I would think he would too, but I, I wouldn't understand why. Why they killed your family? Like, what is the matter no. with you? I don't get that, especially your father. Like, I would be out for vengeance for them if I was him. Yeah, most people would. Be. I think most people would have been out for vengeance in some way, shape, or form. Most people wouldn't have just been, okay, I'm going to run in that same party. Like, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I just think when we when we talk about, like, coalition building with people, I think it's important to remember that, not everybody's going to be willing to be a part of coalition. And just because someone has good ideas, so like I think RFK Jr., I think his platform looks great. Are there things that I think he should add? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. One of them is healthcare. <laughs> One of them is healthcare. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think when I look at his platform, I'm like, do we agree on most of the issues? Yeah, we do. But my problem is the same problem that I have with Marianne as well. Y'all motherfuckers running through the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And, and that says a lot bad about you. We already know how this movie ends. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's the problem. We already know. And you see something, you know, I saw a couple people yesterday were really apparently heartbroken, not me, but were pretty hurt because Bernie Sanders announced that he was going to support Joe Biden for re-election. And some people really lost their shit. Like, seriously, we're heartbroken. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe how could he do this to me? First of all, most of you don't know the dude. Most of us have never, ever really sat in a room and actually had a conversation with Bernie Sanders. So there's that. And I'm angry at him. Like, you take money from poor people knowing damn well you couldn't win. And you said you were starting a revolution and you start things with people and it's wrong. It's, it's damn wrong because you know what you're doing and, and, you know, people thought, you know, like when Marianne, when you were interviewing her and she said that, oh, Bernie, people gave money to Bernie Sanders to put the message out there. No, they didn't. They gave money for him to win. No. Because <laughs> they're poor. They're not poor. These people are rich and they really don't get it. I, and it's, and it, and it's, you know, it's selfish. Like, you, if you want to run and you want to waste your time running for president of the Democratic Party, then don't ask nobody for a dime. You people are rich. Do it yourself. It's, it's you know, people don't have time to waste money on their, on their dumb stuff is how I feel. And I think it's, you know, really selfish of them. And I, like I said, if it was independent, it'd be a whole different thing. But because it's a Democratic Party, I won't. And anybody who who doesn't understand that is is just either wants to be ignorant or I don't I mean, I don't know, you know, or they're just grifters. Maybe I don't know. Well said there, Darlene. Roger, would you like to chime in here? Yeah, he also let the CIA into his family. So it's, there's that also. Yeah. 
um, I would also like to know those people that who were heartbroken about uh, Bernie. I wonder how many of them live in citizen ballot initiative states. So that's one. A third thing is, so I, I remember I had, I had DM'd you uh, this about that interview. So Marjorie Taylor Greene contradicts herself when she says we have an overbloated government, but wants to keep funding the military industrial complex. Mm-hmm. But to run cover, she just says the Pentagon budget. Then a few second, seconds later, she turns around and talks about the lobbyists lobbying for the military industrial complex as a problem. I appreciate her saying we don't have a revenue problem. There's plenty of revenue. Now, I disagree with her saying we have a spending problem. By saying we have plenty of revenue, she just admitted Congress legis- she just admitted without realizing she admitted Congress legislates new money into existence. You know, by simply saying we don't have a revenue problem, we have plenty of money. Where she is wrong is when she says we have a spending problem. That's really what she means. No, we don't. Uh, no, we don't, because uh, the contradiction is what we have is a priority problem. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. I think it would have been really great if there was someone on that panel with Bree and Robbie that was like an MMT expert, like mm-hmm. like Dr. Fadil Kaboob. Remember, he came on my show back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's been like great, like if maybe he was on that panel so he can like push back and contradict on what she's saying there, because that's the same thing I was saying. Even when they talk about the debt ceiling, remember, MMT tells you that the debt ceiling is a myth. But if, if you don't have that other voice there, you see what I mean? And that message would have gotten across to many, 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 many Americans who probably would have been like, oh, what is MMT? Let me look this up. And then more people are aware of it. Exactly. Absolutely. And one other thing she did say that I thought was wrong when she said we should run the government like the, a business. Oh, yeah. We're human beings. It's not a business. These are people's <laughs> lives. We're not a commodity. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> that, was, that was just like, here we go again. Yeah, that was very cringe to hear her say, yeah, it needs to be run like a business. And I'm like, here we go. <laughs> so you know where 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 her mind is at in reference to that like i was just like yikes i don't know you know what i would like to see though i would like to see brie have an interview with her maybe on bad faith podcast where she has more time to talk to her and the reason why i say that is because when you go on to rising you don't have much time i don't know if you guys noticed but those segments are very short like the clips are very short and you have a limited amount of time to get out as much as you can. And so that's why I'm saying, like, if it was like one-on-one and she did this like on bad faith, she'd have more time to talk to her and maybe she could press her even more. But then you're there and then you also have a co-host and then the co-host also has to speak and you have a couple of minutes, you know? Yeah. It would be nice on a long form. You think she would come on your show? I would not invite her on my show. No, you don't want (laughs) to... No, no. Uh, that would be that would not go well. I I just I <laughs> that would not go well. Listen, the last time, remember what happened when I brought Rokana on? That did not go well. <laughs> Cancel Sandy. It just I don't I don't know, man. I don't do too well with uh I don't know, man. 
for some reason, like actual like sitting politicians, I don't do too well with those types. So uh, I, I was told my interview was. What apparently, do you think, Nick? I don't think that would go well for her. If Nick did it either. I, I just, I just, we have no CJ, but maybe Nick. <laughs> we, cause, cause we will like seriously just be like, I could tell you what one of the things Nick would probably say. He would probably bring up the fact about her being against big government, but supporting the police state, because mm -hmm. that's still big government. Mm -hmm. And that'd probably be the end of the interview right there. <laughs> That's the, oh no. yeah i don't do too well with sitting politicians and i i, I don't the, blame the, you i understand it because it's hard because you know they're saying things and you, you you're very you're a very good interviewer because you you keep your cool even that who there was that other guy who was on with you and he was he was horrible and you kept you kept your cool really good and i, I couldn't have done it <laughs> but that's why i'm not a, that's why i'm not a journalist and you are <laughs> i try i try to do poker face i couldn't do a poker face with rokana <laughs> so it just <laughs> the look on my face the whole time was just like yikes <laughs> get this woman out of here <laughs> yeah, so sometimes you're making faces and you don't realize that you're making faces yeah that that is very true but after that i said yeah people are like you should bring him back on and i was like why he's full of shit. you saw that in the interview there's no reason for me to talk to him again ever <laughs> he did that guy, on purpose that was he's a liar this guy is a straight up liar like though i'm not trading stocks i've showed you guys multiple times in my show <laughs> trading stocks like what the fuck like I support Medicare for all. Why are you trading pharma stocks? That right, man. Uh huh. That was part of his plan, Savvy. That that see, that was part of his plan to be like, uh, hey, I went on the show. She won't invite me back. I'm gonna go on this show and be a really egregious, and so on and so forth, to where she's like, I'm not inviting this guy back. So so this way, it, it makes him look good. Hey, I want to be held accountable. She won't. She won't invite me back. No. Nope, I'm, I'm, I'm good on all that. I already know what his plan is. He's probably going to try to run for president in 2028, and that's why he's doing all these interviews. And I don't want to be there for that. I want to be there. You, if you can't stand up right now and say you are not going to endorse Joe Biden, and you call yourself a so-called progressive, you're a fraud. Exactly. It, the word progressive doesn't mean anything in that place anymore. Well, what happens when you have a rotten tree? You pull it out, put another tree there, come back a week later, that tree's rotten. And you repeat the same thing over and over again. What, what does that tell you? Take it from the root. The soil mm -hmm. is poisoned. Yep. You need new earth. You're right. You're right. 100%. Well, Darlene, thank you so much. Anything else you wanted to add? No, that's it. You have a good Friday night. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, um, happy 100, by the way. I forgot. Thank Get your birthday. All right. Let's go ahead and bring in uh, Marco. I, Marco's next. Polo. How come I can't? Oh, there we go. Okay. There you go. All right, Marco, you are on the mic. What's hey, up? How are you doing? Happy 100. Thank you. 
Uh, my feedback on uh, the conversation tonight is that I really don't think, um, like, with, especially when you were talking with Kim, I just wanted to talk, talk to you all and be like, hey, you know, political parties don't just happen because we hope for it. Like, it's often very, because it's like political parties are there for people who are in power to organize themselves. So we need to have a power base before we can even think about another party. Like the Republican Party came about because of the, the restructuring of power from the Civil War. Um, during the Union Movement, there were two socialist parties and a communist party. And those parties had enough power to get Eugene Debs 6% of the, of the presidential election. So like, we really need to be building power before we even start thinking about a party. Uh, which is exactly why the Green Party failed, because they put the party before the power, uh, hoping that the power would come That's what all them. parties do. All, all parties, are, uh, by their design, from their very inception, is to look out for themselves before they look out for you and me. So you think that's why the Green Party isn't as successful as it could be? Uh, yeah, exactly. And that's why Shama was so successful, because before they started to get into electoral office, they got people material needs. Like they got a $15 an hour minimum wage first, and then that built the coalition to get the electoral victory. So if we're gonna have a national party that can compete significantly, like on the level of Eugene Debs or bigger, we need to have a movement as big as the movement that produced that. That's a good point. And Shama Sawant is a winner. She has won, not just at the ballot box, but also on the ground. And I think that's very key. So when people say, you know, what's the, the goal of Worker Strike Back is to build power among the workers. That's the point of Worker Strike Back. So if she builds power, well, not just her alone, but if that organization continues to build power among the workers, then you have your coalition, your movement of people, and then you can probably say, all right, let's start that third party with this, these people. Exactly. And I think that, you know, people who started to do that in our history on the left were imprisoned, murdered. And I really agree with Nick when he talks about how no communist movement has ever failed. They've all been defeated. The U.S. communist movement was defeated by the New Deal. And now it's up to us to build it back up. But we need to start at the grassroots. We need to start by seizing the means of production not by encouraging a new party, not by talking about all the rhetoric, you know, like you were talking about how your mom doesn't even, didn't even know RFK Jr. was alive. <laughs> <laughs> she got jokes, but she was serious. And I was like, mom, I was like, what, what are you talking? I was like, are you thinking about RFK? And she was like, well, no, I know, I know he's dead. She was like, I remember like that was my time. She said, but, I thought I would imagine RFK Jr. was dead. I was like, no, mom, not every Kennedy is dead. So <laughs> it, yeah, was, it was, was 14 when his dad got killed. So yeah, it just, um, I think that when you look at something like what the Black Panther Party did, they had the right idea and notice that movement was not built by someone from the professional managerial class. If you guys pay attention to that. Neither the was the who, one in the 30s, right? That was built by workers who, right? were, who were walking away from their abusive relationship and yep. organizing themselves. That's what we need to do. That's the key to building power. 
And we need to build it uh, internationally as well, too, because that that's another thing is like having that that workers movement become an international worker movement. And I say this, too, because when we talked about the workers in the global south that are exploited so that countries like Denmark and Germany can have a lot of those social programs that they have. What we have to remember is those people need representation, too. Those workers who are working in like the sweatshops just so people can buy Fenty lipstick. Yes, Rihanna. I'm talking about Rihanna as well. All these billionaires that exploit these people. Those people need representation, too. Those people need someone to fight for them, too. And oftentimes they can't speak for themselves because that's the only job, the only gig that's offered to them. So we need a, a international workers movement across this country. Across the and, world. What Excuse me. and what you're saying is true more and more every day because the world gets more and more interconnected every day. You have more uh, capitalism truly is waging war on the whole world's working class. But the, but the thing is, is that parties eventually are going to become corrupt because they have designed to look out for their own interests. It might not happen today, tomorrow, next week, next year. Happen when we're when our descendants inherit these parties. I mean, you got to remember. I mean, yeah, the Republican Party was the party of abolition. Now look at it. You see what I'm saying? Their design. I'm saying you don't need parties to coalesce to to form groups or civic groups or or coalitions. You know what I mean? And on top, because all they do is just create division. Look at how like this thing we're talking about Marjorie Taylor Greene and all that stuff. If we had no parties, it would just be, oh, we're just coalescing with this person over here, okay? She gets all of this um, media attention because, um, one, she's a loud Republican, okay? So, you know, like, I'm, yeah, yeah. you create more parties, they're just going to amplify the the self-interest, you know what I mean? It might be good at first, but eventually, you know, when we're all dead and buried and our grandchildren inherit this, they end up turning into something else. You know what I'm saying? I see yeah, why yeah. going back to that. Yeah, I agree. And I think the fact that we even have a party system government is a result of the fact that we are an imperialist government. Like if we if we were to have an actual communist state where we dissolved the state into like a classless, moneyless society, there would not really be the need for all these kinds of things because most of the organizing that would be relevant to your life would be local to you, not national. Who cares what people are doing, you know, on, on the other side of the, on, on the country for the most part? I mean, most of the things that affect you directly happen in your, in your county, in your city. Yeah, matter of fact, it, it, when you look at it, the place that you'll find where there are no parties is usually at the local level, especially when it comes to those school boards. Um, out here in, in, in Long Island... Suburbs, whatever, right? There was okay. So before the the CRT book banning thing became a thing, these were just reg. No one, you know, these were just regular school boards or whatever the case was, right? And then the Republican Party got um, involved in these school boards and started scaring the crap out of these uh, people out here, talking about CRT, 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 and then it became like polarized. <laughs> You know what I mean? And, and then people was looking at the Democrat Party. Yo, you going to do something about it? And there's like, well, it's not really a good, that's something that shouldn't be partisan. But then they were forced, they were pulled in to, to this because that that um, 
election last year, um, the Republicans swept Long Island, uh, um, Long Island suburbs, you know, and part of that was like the school boards and they're, they're just, you know, all you hear is CRT, CRT, you know, like, it, you know, it's just, it's, it's, these things are doing division, you know what I mean? But before that, they were just operating, doing the job of governance over the PTA school board stuff. You know what I mean? You get those parties out the way. Okay, let's get down to business and work. This is a really good point. And I want to mention to people in reference to like the local level, if there is an open seat in your district, I encourage you to run for that seat as an independent, especially if there's nobody else, nobody else running for that seat, whether it's school board, whether it's city council, because we need more people on the local level that are outside these two parties too. Now there are green party politicians that are on the local level and that's how some of them got those positions. It was an open seat in their district and they were just like, I'm gonna run for the seat and I'm running as a, you know, a green party member. Yeah, and I, I encourage Ken people Mahia. to do that. You should get Kenneth Mejia on the show. He, um, he got green party Los Angeles controller, and he had previously run for Congress uh, in the Green Party. I think we had him on, I have to double check, I believe we had him on RBN. This is the really young guy. I think he's like, what, 18 or something? He's not that young, but yeah, he's in his 20s, yeah. Okay, yeah, uh, I think we had him on RBN. I think it was JB who interviewed him, but oh, yeah. Cool. I didn't. I, I missed that one then, yeah. That was back in the day. I think that was back when we were still uh, FHL. Oh, back when he was in his congressional run, right? Yeah. That guy should have been on everyone's show. You know, uh, run for stuff like that. Run for like comptroller. Like city council's a big one, though, because they control the budget. So. <laughs> oh, you just reminded me. Um, we just finished our uh, state budget. Now, this here's, here's something funny. So, it was like 27 days late, okay? So, um, the governor, Hochul, wanted to... So, uh, uh, Senate Labor Chair uh, Ramos was saying, hey, we want to do a minimum wage of $21... No, uh, yeah, $21.25 an hour. And I'm like, well, that only comes out to barely $45,000 a year. We're number one in income inequality. You guys just gave yourself a raise going from $110,000 a year to $142,000 a year. So how does that like really help us? And then, um, and then the governor was saying, uh, well, I want to do $17 an hour minimum wage and tack it to inflation. Okay. So they just finished with the budget. And they went to $16 an hour to go into effect, like, I don't know, next year, 2027. And, and in 2027, they'll attach it to the consumer price index, but you'll still be underwater. I mean, if you remember, um, Malcolm X said something about, you stab me and the knife is, I don't know, like three inches deep or something like that. And you take it three quarters of the way out, the knife is still in me. You know, if, I'm, under, right. if I'm underwater, and I'm drowning, and I'm 100 feet under, and I have to get to the 100 feet to have my head above water, and then you say, I, I'm, I'm going to bring you 10 feet up. You know, what the hell does that do? 
still drowning. You know what I mean? So that's another reason why we got to be about initiative state. That's a good point. Um, anything else you wanted to add, Marco? If not, I'm going to go on to Ashura. Yeah, yeah, just a couple, one more thing. Uh, so like when I'm, like a lot of political organizing I do, it doesn't even need a party. It's like if I'm out there asking people for ballot to sign a measure for about, to get a signature for a ballot, I'm not asking them what their party is. I'm talking to them about the ballot. Right? And then the last thing I'll say, I'll make room for Ashura, is that none of us are going to vote for president. The Electoral College is going to pick our president. So fuck it. Have a good night, all. Have a good night, Marco. Well said. Yeah, the Electoral College is another problem. <laughs> What's going on? Shura's in the house. Hello, Sabby. I saw your Hello. early show today. Uh, that Roger AI was glitching. So <laughs> <laughs> there were music tones everywhere. <laughs> I know it's Roger's first time, so he should know that if he's going somewhere, he needs to put like some screen so he doesn't know what he's doing in the background. So he'll get better. It's his first time. Hey, I'm just happy um, Roger came on, and I think people were happy to see his face. <laughs> he told me that on the DM. I said that he better come out come out looking like Biggie Smalls. <laughs> on them rings, on them fingers. Biggie Smalls is ugly. What are you trying to tell me here, bro? Oh, I'm not talking about basically. I said basically put the attire of Biggie Smalls. That's what I said. <laughs> So, Ashura, I'm curious, did you hear about the strike that was happening in Canada? I live near Ottawa. So I go there every day. And uh, I, I'm, I'm still worried if I'm going to get my uh, refund. Because <laughs> I did it on the same week. Because I, I, I've gotten my uh, t, I've gotten my, my uh, t, T4, basically, my, to get my do my shit. So I just sat on it. And when I decided to do it, it was the one the week of the 19th. So I did on the 17, so I don't know if I'm going to get my money. But uh, apparently they're still striking. Uh, I talked to somebody. They said that um, they're probably not going to get paid after the strike. Oh, boy. Yeah, they, they said that uh, – I also Googled it. Said that they're going to basically see it as a leave of absence or some shit like that. Oh, dear. Yeah. <sighs> If you struck for like three weeks without pay, so you're not going to get paid. Damn. Well, that sucks. Yeah. I'm sorry I reported so late on it. Like, Eric actually was the one that sent it to me. And I was like, oh, crap. I had no idea that was happening. You know, I've been talking a lot about the protests and, you know, strikes and stuff that's happening in Europe. But this was a big one right there in Canada. I didn't even hear about it. Well, that, that's the thing. When people like to say you got to work for the government because they think if you work for the government, you're going to get your checks faster and everything. But the government, uh, when they when they, they want their checks done, like the, the big people, like the politicians, they get their shit done. If they want their checks, they'll get their checks done. But the employees, they don't. They had some problem, I think, when Trudeau came in and they had to switch from one company that was doing their uh, electric, uh, electric uh, sending their their. Ch- to people, and people weren't getting their checks for like maybe a month, but Trudeau was getting his shit. Of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. What, what do you think, Ashura, about this idea of coalition building? I ain't got no problem with it, just as long as they know uh, 
that I, I know where they stand. Like they're, I, I, I'm not basically gonna go in coalition with them, whatever bullshit you're going through. But I'm just gonna go with the, what we agree upon. Hmm. Yes. Like, um, it's like MTG was on. Well, she was talking some good shit, but as I'm watching it, I'm like, bitch, I know you're basically doing the opposite behind the scenes. You can say what you're saying <laughs> on TV, but you do the opposite behind yes. the scenes. Like, I remember Jimmy Dore. Uh, if Jimmy Dore kind of, you know, Jimmy Dore has a habit when he sees, like, right women say shit, like, leftists should be saying, then he gives them props. But I don't think he does a follow-up to it. And you look behind it. Remember that thing when she did that poem speech, speech about baby formula? Yeah. Yeah. Turned around a couple of days later, she voted against it. So she was sucking that good shit on camera, but behind the scenes, she voted against it. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Go ahead, um, Noel. I think you were trying to chime in. Well, I was just agreeing with Shura that you have these bad faith actors who will momentarily, you know, say decent things, this and that, but they're overall position is still toxic and poisonous and you know they know the game that they're you know playing and they know how it comes across and you know I'm just you know real skittish about this because I'm (laughs) thinking in terms of coalitions if you really believe these things the coalitions will emerge organically you know but these people really aren't good faith actors. They're just saying populist things, just like Trump did. Trump said a lot of populist things, but then at the end of the day, his actions betrayed his populist words. He was a con artist trying, he was out for Trump through and through, you know? Trump was ready to free uh, Julian Assange and then something happened and that was then we heard of that. I heard that it had to do with um, Mitch McConnell said to him, hey, if you free Assange, we're going to, you know, it might not go too well for you in the Senate hearing after your impeachment. I would have I would have fucking used that and basically trashed Mitch McConnell with it because Mitch McConnell is not liked. No, he's not. He's he has one of the lowest approval ratings out of all the senators in the United States, do you guys know that? And people still continue to vote for him. Yeah, because if if Trump had said that that Mitch McConnell tried to threaten him because he wanted to release a journalist that was telling the truth on on Russia Gate, because if he says Russia Gate, like everyone would have fucking just joined Trump. Other Republicans would have trashed Mitch McConnell if he said Mitch McConnell is trying to blackmail me. You know how how fast Mitch McConnell would go back and say, "I'm not, I'm not really doing that. I'm not really going to do the president. We support the president because he knows he might lose re-election." Yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm just saying with her. By the way, how long is? I mean, does Justin Trudeau has been there since Obama, right? I mean, do do they have uh, term limits? What what are their? Uh, uh, he, he hasn't been there since Obama. Uh, the guy that was there, that was uh, Stephen Harper. He was there right after him like it was something about fighter jets that kicked uh Stephen Harper off and because they they were like they they were too old and they were, I think they were expensive either they were too old or they were too gas guzzling and that kicked them out that was the one thing that kicked them out and he basically became prime minister afterwards and what are the years hmm. like what are the um what's that word the, the, the elections? is it is it 6 years or like no every 4 years 
I mean, you get to be prime minister indefinitely. It's 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 like being king. As long as you can keep winning, you'll still you no still limits. okay. Indefinitely? Yes. No corn limits. Yikes! I mean, I heard the United States had that shit. They had the same shit as we did. That was until what was his name? The guy who died in office, and then FDR. they couldn't shit out. FDR. Yeah, he was winning over and over and over again, and it was like, oh shit, he died. So we're gonna put term limits. Mm-hmm. Jeez so Louise. No yeah, there's no term limits in Canada. As long as you can keep winning, people like you, they like what you're doing, and you can still ache, ache out the wins. Like, the problem is with Justin Trudeau is that sometimes if you win, uh, if your party doesn't, if you win uh, the, the election and your party doesn't get control of, con- of, of parliament, somebody else is going to have to do a coalition building. So let me ask you a question, Ashura. Do a lot of people still like Trudeau after the mandates, after the, the uh, trucker protests? <laughs> I, I saw it on Twitter. Jimmy Doe was calling him out. He was doing revisionist history. <laughs> he said he never made people get the vaccine. <laughs> yeah, he also said that he, he, he didn't try to basically do some fashion shit and try to take away the trucker's money. He said he tried to do all that shit. Like people were calling him out. They, they were they're tweeting links. But I don't think Trudeau responds to people. <laughs> oh my god yeah that was funny to me oh in other twitter news this one is really going to make you guys laugh well maybe not laugh but it might be shock and awe um this was reported from the new york post it says oral sex causes throat, throat cancer, throat cancer. not um, kidding well I saw a video on YouTube once where I think I, I, I sent you the video, whatever got a response for you. It was like two Asian Americans were talking about how dentists can see if you got oral sex because if the dick hits the back of the, the, the throat, they know about it. What? How? I don't know. They, they said it, 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 they, can, they know. They know if you had oral sex. If you hit the back of the throat, I think it's kind of some maybe some kind of legion, some leftover biological mark that's on the on, on the back of the throat. They can, they can tell from a penis. Yes. And by the way, I'm sorry you got piled on for that comment. <laughs> I've been meaning to basically say something about it. The one about the, the one penis thing. No, no, the one that says sex is good. It's exercise and shit. And you said. <laughs> That was so weird. He was like, I said, so for those who don't know, so they announced that they may be making, you know, changing the rule for priests to get married. And I said, great. Everybody go have sex. I didn't (laughs) think this was going to be that big of a deal. (laughs) This guy commented, he wouldn't let it go. He was just like, this is a degenerate thing to say. And it shows how you value yourself as a person. I'm like, the fuck are you talking about? I'm married. That's not a big thing in my country, man. They, 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 you hear stories about priests getting banging women all the fucking time. I don't know about the nets, but the priests, you hear about them begging basically somebody because they don't care. They got needs. I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, it just... And so it made me think about something. It was just that one guy. Like, he wouldn't let it go. And so uh, I, JB... I thought, was, I thought it was many people that came after you. No, it was him. That was a long thread of him. The other people were actually pretty much supportive for the yeah, most part. 
one girl but, said that she talked about like something like she got called a slut. Yeah, because she talked about, you know, what's this thing is like women aren't allowed to talk about it, but guys are allowed to talk about it. Like, I remember the, the first thing I noticed this when Sex in the City first came out, like it was a big deal. Like people were like, why are these four women on this TV show and they're single and they're having sex? And I'm like, that shit happens with single people. Like what, are, <laughs> like, what do you want them to do? So the thing is, is like this guy wouldn't let it go. And JB commented and Jamie, JB said the definite, he says sex is um, an expression of physical love between two consenting adults and so this guy was just like like i don't know like he i, I looked at his, his uh twitter page and you know he's religious and stuff and that's that's yeah. fine it is what it is but i mean i just think this country is very taboo when you mention things like sex but it's okay for people to watch movies of people getting their heads blown off well you, you know you should have told them that uh look how uh forgiving that uh What's that? What's that cop's name? The lady that was begging her entire precinct, and her husband is a teacher, and he forgave her. I mean, she was doing it. Yeah, I mean, oh my god, Silky. Okay, someone in the chat said Michael Douglas got throat cancer from giving too much oral sex. Is this for real? Oh come on, well, Michael, Michael Douglas got gay. Oh, maybe he's joking. Okay, yeah, I think it's joking. Hmm. I mean, the thing is, it's just like, but yeah, it's it's weird how people like Americans just get just like cringe up and are just like, oh my god, don't talk about that word. And I'm like, you just watched a movie with someone's head being blown off. What movie was that? That's every movie. Yeah, it's just or if you can give me a break. If you can watch Saw, and which I've seen Saw, if you can watch the entire series, the entire like, you know. Um, collection of the Saw movies. You can watch blood and guts ooze, like oozing out of people's like body, but you can't. I can't say. Great, people should have sex. I haven't seen Do, do you remember the first time, um, the first Predator movie where he ripped the uh, spine out of uh, the, the Native American guy? <laughs> I guess not. Yeah, well, those movies would be canceled today. <laughs> I mean, somebody would be canceled that movie today, ripping the spot up from Native American. No, nah, he's part of the uh, the the, the, uh, the 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 team that Arnold Schwarzenegger went into the jungle with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, yeah. But most people nowadays they can't stand older movies because they'll they'll fucking cancel it. This is very so interesting. So I, I really do feel like people in this country, I feel like they are sexually like repressed. It, it is really weird. It's such a bizarre, like, I just feel like there's still some of those old school Puritan like values that are still present. I don't think they're repressed. I think they, 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 I think they want to do it or, or they do it in secret, but they want to fucking shame you if you openly say it. Oh. That's what Alex Jones. Alex Jones got caught like watching fucking <laughs> she knows sex porn on his phone, and then he claims he's not he's not into that shit. I mean, in, mo, mo, I think it was a study where when it comes to the porn sites, most people who go down there they're curious about it or conservatives. They watch that shit. Yeah, yeah. It was very weird. It was weird too. I don't even think that guy follows me. 
And he just came out of nowhere. And I'm like, who is this account? Where did you come from? This is really weird. And like, he wouldn't let it go. Like other people kept telling him like bad take and things like that. But like, he wouldn't let it go. And I was like, dude, this is really weird of you. Whatever, I think, man. I think it's because you're a small, small, small woman. And they basically went after you. I don't know how, uh, what is your height exactly? That, that was that one picture I saw that you had the bar. I don't know how small you are, but I guess he thought, oh, it's just a small woman, black woman. I'm just going to go after it. I'm 5'5". Five five, mm. Which technically, my doctor says technically that's not short, but obviously I'm not tall. He's like, you know, you're pretty much average height for female. Uh, okay. And I'm just like, but everybody's taller than me. It, it feels that way. You guys saw the picture <laughs> I took with uh, Gabriel Shipton and and John Shipton, Julian Assange's brother and father. Someone commented on it and said, oh, Sabby's so short. And I was like, I'm actually 5'5". Five five. They're tall. <laughs> I don't know. I went, um, I went to the movies a week, two weeks ago. I went to saw the Super Mario movie. And I noticed something. They called Mario, like, short. A midget. Somebody called him a midget in the comment section. They were doing a review of the movie. I'm like, is he a midget? Or is he just a short guy? I think Mario's just a short guy. They call him a midget. I mean, he kind of looks like he's a midget. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I, I think, I, I think he's just, I don't know. That's a good question, though. I don't think I've seen, no, because Princess Peach is still around their height, too, kind of. No, she's much taller. She's around Luigi's height. Oh, maybe Mario is. You should, you should go watch the movie. It's a good movie. Um, I I want to talk about. Did you see the video? Um, Do Dissidents did the did this reaction. Brianna and uh, what's her, uh, Shama Samwat? They were talking about um, uh, RFK and uh, Marianne Williamson, and Brianna was losing her shit. It's like she 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 kept going back to the same question, trying to convince her to get. Uh, people like Socialist Alternative on on Marianne or even RFK, and she's like, "No, we're not voting for people on the, of the on, of the two parties." And she kept going there, trying to get Captain Save a politician. Well, I haven't seen it, but um, is that on my list? That might be on my watch list. I usually line those things up, but um, I will say Shama's not one that can be moved on that issue. I will yeah. say that yeah, she's she not tries, budging she, when it comes to that. No, 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 no. <laughs> she, tries to, she tries to do that very often. I'm like, why are you trying to convince her to basically go with the Marianne thing? I thought you were done with the Democratic Party, but when you find somebody that you like, like a Marianne, like they just recruited Marianne. They say it's not a recruitment. But Kakolinski said he recruited her. He tried to do it. I don't she remember was, her saying she was done with the Democratic Party. Well, um, she. We always said that she voted green. That she right. never voted Democrat. So. Yeah, because it seems like she's really pushing the whole Marianne thing. I'm like, well, okay, are you done with it or not? I saw that, and I felt like Bree was going too far trying to tease out a reason to be supportive of these challenges to Joe Biden. And Shama was clear that, you know, you have to have a groundswell, the level of Bernie Sanders as the floor 
and that this is not just about some philosophical, you know, there is something to be gained from supporting people who challenge the president as if they can really move Joe Biden to the left. And Sharma was clear that no, you know, I'm just not going to be saying something, you know, in that way, because I have to speak with authenticity to the people that I lead, you know? And so Bree just kept going at it as if trying to get Shama to concede that there is something to be gained, but there really isn't. There is nothing to be gained by supporting Marianne Williamson or RFK if they do not have legitimate ground swells and, you know, it was so troubling to me because it's as if we haven't been there, done that. So it's like, why are you trying to create a hypothetical situation where it would be okay or prodigious to support these people's candidacy when, as Shama kept saying, I am not going to be creating the illusion that there is some opportunity when there is none, you know? And, you know, Bree was trying to suggest that, you know, Bernie Sanders was the same type of insider that RFK is, and he was not. And he is an insider in terms of politics, but RFK is an insider in terms of family and lineage. And that's mm-hmm. different from Bernie Sanders. But it was just, it was kind of annoying. You know, Brie kind of, you know, it was agitating. But Shama was clear on her position, as you know, she always is. And she just kept coming back saying, no. You know, if one of them proves to be, you know, a candidate and they get the attention and the groundswell and the support and they're really challenging, she was saying, Oh, we would have no problem saying, oh, we made, you know, we made a mistake. We'll support from here. But nobody's just going to go do this hat trick again, especially when neither RFK or um, Marianne are saying the things that would give you something to hold on to that they will not do a Bernie Sanders and not in the end say, oh, you know, Trump is so scary. We have to endorse Joe. If you can't give some assurances and give your word mm-hmm. now, then yeah. nobody is going to trust you because we've been there twice with Bernie. Yeah, because she kept bringing up the dirty break stuff in there. <laughs> hmm. Well, I'll I'll check it out. You said, okay, do this and this. I'll check it out. Um, well, you can check it out for yourself, like without the commentary. Is Russell in Queens? I don't know. I don't know what borough he's in, but I believe he's in New York City. And Keaton just moved to upstate. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, that's really interesting. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I feel like we've had these conversations multiple times and, um, from what I've seen, I don't think Shama can be moved on that position. Yeah, because I don't, I don't know why she's pushing it that much. I mean, if you say you're done with the party, why push a candidate that's not going to get 
that's not going to get a foot in the door. I mean, I thought Mary Yang was basically pulling 10%. Last time I saw that poll everywhere, it was 8%. Yeah, the 10% dropped pretty quickly. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it wasn't even a 10%. I mean, CJ said it was like, it was, it was two, they did two, 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 two polls and they, Kalkalinski just slimily combined two polls as if it's one poll. No, not poll, one, uh, one vote. Like people were voting uh, when it comes to Marianne and he basically combined two, two, two sets of, uh, within the same poll and said 10%, but it's like 4%. Well, I can't speak for um, Bree because Bad Faith Podcast is an interview show. But I will say that for the channels that did back that Bernie movement, they grew tremendously because of Bernie Sanders campaigns, the 2016 and the 2020 campaign. And the moment that was done, then it was like, okay, who's going to be the next progressive that's going to run for for president so that they those channels can continue to grow and the thing is if you don't have that those channels will eventually stall i feel like the tiktok thing there's like probably some scam going on there because people are saying that she she's blowing up on tiktok i think cj or somebody else talked about it and it's like she's not really blowing up they just basically mashed up all the numbers and say oh she's blowing up by just one video yeah, it's just like this, you know, this is actually really sad. It's it's kind of sad to see people go down this this uh winding road. This because oh. what's that, Noel? What was that? A rabbit hole. That's what they're going down. Yeah, it it's kind of sad to see that because this is why I say like if you guys ever start a channel, don't build your channel around a campaign or a politician or one person just just don't because all that worked very well while bernie was running but like i said the moment joe biden won that was kind of a wrap and then it was like you know what do you do now you you need in order to continue to grow because remember a lot of these channels stalled after that in order to continue to grow we got to find another person to run as a progressive for president and you know it seems like that person was was marianne but once rfk jr got in this race her polling numbers dropped well they they were never there and uh i'll finish with on the rfk thing did you see the abc interview was it abc i saw there was some interview on twitter and they really went on the anti-vaxxer bullshit on him they really they brought every comment his family said they they called him a dangerous individual. I'm like I'm like wait, there's a point like he basically corners mm-hmm. as well. Do you believe whatever do you disagree with do you disagree with everything your family says about you and just take it in stride? She's like, nah. But the the, the thing was disingenuous that afterwards they basically said that oh everything he said was a fault was false, but they didn't really say shit about it. Yeah, I think that the anti vax smear that they're using with RFK Jr. I don't think that's working the way that they thought it would. And that's what I was saying. When I, when I talked to people at his announcement, none of those people I spoke to cared about that. None of them. Yeah. But so, they, yeah, they seem to hammer the anti-vax thing. And then they try to hammer his family with it. They keep 
pam pummeling the same question, but your family doesn't like it. Your family doesn't like it. Your family says you're you're, you're a dangerous person over and over and over again. It's, it's like a loop they're, they're trying to put in your head. And the guy's like, there's a point where I think he almost lost it, but he had to he had to basically compose himself, not to basically go all ham on this woman, because it was so disgusting the way they were they were going after him. But this is why I say he has to tear them down. He has to go scorch earth. Because the media is not going to be nice to him. They're not going to they're not going to improve. They're not going to be nice to him. They're going to treat him the same way they're treating Bernie Sanders. And so he's getting the Bernie Sanders treatment. And also the Democratic Party isn't going to be nice to him. The DNC isn't going to be nice to him. And that's why I said, like, yo, stop saying Joe Biden is your friend. I don't know why everybody wants to be friends with this guy. It's very weird to me. So you got to go scorch earth. Yeah, because it seems to me he was being too respectful in that, in, in that interview. I'm like, the media has, what, 30%, 20% like poll rating with the people? Why are you being so nice to these people? Anyways, I'm going to let Dwayne in, so I'm hanging up. All right. Thanks so much, Ashura. I am bringing in Dwayne. What's going on? Just got to unmute. There you go. Roger, I muted you because there was a, a noise in the background. What's going on, Dwayne? Hello? Uh-oh. Yeah, try muting and unmuting. If not, I'll just, I'll make you a speaker. I'll invite you to speak. Sometimes that fixes the problem. And I'll go ahead and bring in, um, did that fix it? Could I just... Hi, Sabrina. Hi, Noel. Hi, Roger. Could oh, I throw second, something Larry. in? Um, did that fix it, Dwayne? Um, no, can you hear me? I can hear you. Go ahead. And Great. then I'll go to you, Lance. And happy 100th, I have to tell you. Um, but yeah, I, oh, I, love this com- I love this whole um, conversation because, first of all, uh, 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 Michael Douglas did come out and say that HPV, human papillomavirus, uh, virus did give him throat cancer that he got from oral sex. So there you go. That what? Actually, yep, that's a thing. <laughs> that, that actually is a thing, which is really that blew my mind too. <laughs> at the same oh my god! You can do that. That 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 can give you cancer of the throat. That's what Michael Douglas said. He got it. So, so. it really wasn't oral sex, but the human papilloma virus that right. Got exactly because that's so yeah. easily communicable that right. you, know, you can. Uh, but anyway, oh, as far as the, yeah, I know it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, wait a minute! Now wait a minute! You get tested for that. You can get. You should. Everybody should. Yeah. No, we have no. I mean, not for. I don't know about guys, but for women, like we have HPV. a we have a physical. Yeah, we have an annual physical. So, like, oh my god. You have to be careful about the fish. (laughs) (laughs) The fish. Oh Oh my god. (laughs) 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 Oh that's that's perfect. The sushi ain't the same. That's right. (laughs) Oh no. Oh, that's just too much. Okay, uh, I wanted oh, to say man. something about uh, about coalition forming, because um, uh, you know I find a person like like Lauren Boebert or like McCarthy 
or that Kennedy guy from Louisiana, or Marjorie Taylor Greene. I find these people reprehensible. I can't stand it. I watch them on TV and I have to turn the channel. That's how much I dislike those people. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> if Fred had to get in a room with the KKK and talk about class interests, and he was so spot on that the FBI had to have him killed, he must have been onto something. <laughs> so, I mean, and I, you know, I, Jimmy Dore likes to talk about Fred Hampton a lot because he has taken a lot of crap from people for um, talking to, what was it, a boogaloo boy or a, something like that? I don't know what that was. Um, but he. Magnus. Yeah, Magnus, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so, but, uh, but, uh, but it's really true. I mean, if you look at. See the whole thing with the with the with the with the parties, they they exert control. So yes, a person like Marjorie Taylor Greene will talk a good game, and then she'll go back. And what does she do? She will vote with the party because you have to, you know, the party leaders are going to be looking, breathing down your throat, tell, breathing down your neck, telling you like, you better do it or else. And yeah. you know, you saw what happened with AOC, where like uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Pelosi's like browbeating her on the floor of the, of the house and making her cry. <laughs> so it's this is what they do. And uh, I like how the founders actually hated the idea of political parties because they knew that it would eventually lead to factionalism. And that's what we have now. You have two political parties that have uh, been bought uh, by the same people, and they keep us around chasing our tails over social issues precisely because they want to keep us from forming a coalition uh, around the real issues that are really important to us. And those tend to be war and peace, economic. And we, if you look at the polling, uh, you know, first of all, most people are not even affiliated with, with either one of these parties. Most people yep. are like, you know, don't, most people, first of all, don't vote. And the, and the, the majority of people actually uh, consider themselves independent, like myself. I'm a registered independent and savvy, like you. Yeah. Um, we're independents because these po- political parties are ridiculous, and they're just so cor- so obviously corrupt. And to walk around waving like the flag, like go team, rah rah, red team, blue team, that is just such a sucker's bet. That's a, the most ridiculous thing. But they still have us chasing our tails around social issues. And if we ever got into a room, and, and, and sat down like Bree did with MTG and talked about the, the similarities, the things we have in common. I always like, I have like lots of friends because I majored in political science and I like to do activism. So I talk to people about politics. I got friends all around, all across the political spectrum. Uh, some, some, by the way, I should tell you, I agree with some liberal Democrat loyalists less than I agree with some of these People who are just completely, I'm sorry to say, ignorant about, you know, they don't know, they're, they're calling like Biden a socialist. I'm like, oh, sorry, no, no, no. That's funny. <laughs> That's it's not funny. what he is. But, but we have more in common. They're talking about the same shit I am, all passionate about it, all pissed off about the how corrupt everything is. We've got much more in common with, with people like that from talking to them, I know, around economic issues and war. Uh, even the environment than, than, than I would with a liberal Democrat who just has their mind turned off. They think that they're so progressive and great and they're so woke. 
and they're just completely supporting this crazy fucking fascist asshole president who's like doing everything he can to like uh, promote World War Three and and drill yep. everywhere and 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 uh, uh, saddle all these people with student loan debt again at interest payment. I mean, these people are these people are. Uh, it's so. You know, what I'm really saying is that people on both sides of the political aisle, especially the people who tend to identify with each party without thinking about it, are just plain ignorant. And there's only one way we can stop. We can change that situation, and we have the majority. This is the point. We have the majority. If we don't form coalitions, we can't change anything. They've got us fighting each other over stupid shit. I hear you. We let's have to do it. In, let's bring in G. Diddy. G, how do you feel about this This idea of coalition building? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Dwayne says it just like a, a true independent. Um, I, I feel like that's one of my biggest uh, complaints about the the online left. That um, first of all, and this this is the counterintuitive nature of of the conversation right now. With you can't have coalition building when ninety nine percent of the conversation is about who can't be in the coalition. Thank you. That, that's an oxymoron. I mean, if that's, that's a, a, true. A, a true coalition uh, builder is somebody trying to bring as many people in as possible, and every time. I even wrote, um, I even tweeted this to to um, Bree because Bree was getting um, flack for talking to to MTG, and I'm just like, and it was like on the identity politics grounds, and I'm just like, every time people are trying to come to the table and break bread, regardless of whether or not they agree, that's the whole thing. It's like a lot of these leftists think they're building a cult and not a political movement, Thank so you. it's all about whether or not. You 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 buy you drink the Kool Aid or not? And I'm like, yo, oh. we just human beings breaking bread. That's I'm right. not a leftist. I, me personally, I am not a leftist. I'm a human so being. I, I, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're American citizens, and we live in the same city, the same state, the same country, and we got to make this work for all of us. Like, I'm not in a cult. Like, we got to grow up, and we got to like <laughs> sit down and talk to each other that's as, exactly like adults. Right. You know what I mean? We no more tr- trigger warnings. Let's mm-hmm. sit down like adults and break bread. Right. And and these people are coming up. Well, she's a white supremacist. <laughs> Therefore, you can't talk to her. Oh, please! Some of these people who think they're so woke are the yeah. most bigoted people you'll ever meet in your life. Trust and believe. Trust and believe. First of all, you keep talking. If the people who talk about race are racist, like Thank most you. of the time when they're like, "Yo, and uh, this person's like they, they have to do things for black people," or most of the time they're, they're, when they when they look at the world. In terms of color, they they divide people and they stereotype people based on their race. Whenever uh, you hear somebody talk about race a lot, typically they have some racist tendencies of, of their own. So like, you know, throwing stones, as it were. So I, I, that's the thing. I feel like I'm all about the the discourse around coalition building, but the coalition building hasn't begun yet. And so I think, no. from a psychological standpoint, we kind of got got to get to a place where this, see this is the thing because Jimmy Dore has been a great example from a principle standpoint, but from mm-hmm. a temperament standpoint, he always kind of undercuts himself. He's like, he's got the right principles, the wrong temperament, but ultimately he does it the right way because he's mature enough to just talk to anybody. And True. he's not really all that apologetic about who he talks to. And I feel like a lot of people are starting to kind of mature in that way and starting to, and starting to, to kind of, get out from under the yoke of a lot of the, the young, overeducated, but immature 
bullies who call themselves leftists online who are constantly yeah. trying to put people through a, a struggle session. I think Kyle the leftists... Kyle Polinsky? Well, yeah, I think the, the south side of Chicago. Yeah, the leftists have chased Anna Kasparian away. She's like, I'm mm-hmm. tired of y'all. Because it's like the leftists, they act like a bunch of like, you know, you know, juvenile delinquents who like gang up and try to put you through a struggle session. And, you know, and it's just like, all you have to do, because they, they don't really have any, it's almost like a bunch of kids nipping at your heels. So all you have to do is be like Anna Kasparian and be like, shut the F up, leave me alone. And it ends the, it ends the issue. Instead, they should just say, hey, let's talk about the issue like adults. We're not going to put you through a struggle session. We're not going to launch ad hominem attacks. We're not going to try to dictate what you are and aren't allowed to say as a grown person. Mm. You know, so I, I just, I mean, that was my commentary on just the coalition building. We got to mature. The leftists have to mature on that, on that score. Yeah, I'll say too, I think that if we're going to talk about having like coalition building, I think it is important that there needs to be some level of maturity there. I totally hear you, uh, G. And you're right. Like sometimes all of these purity tests, it can actually drive people away. I don't agree with anybody 100% of the time. I mean, really. I don't agree with Jimmy Dore. I certainly don't agree with Anna Kasparri, (laughs) who, by the way, happened to have started the lob grenades herself. It's like a Jordan Chariton. He likes to talk about how, uh, you know, he's He's a, he's more pure than than Jimmy Dore because of this and this and this. I was like, well, that's not going to get anybody anywhere. So um, you know, so it goes back and forth. But we're all complicit if we're not, you know, approaching it the right way. We have to like we do have to coalition build. I mean, you don't see the corporations and the politicians. They all talk about bipartisanship and they agree on all the worst policies and then meanwhile we're all fighting with each other on the left who's a real leftist and who isn't and that's not going to get anything done we're not going to form any not going to change anything doing that with each other that's part of that part of the reason why that happens is because there is a segment of people that still believe they they may get upset with politicians but they still in their heart believe that bernie's the best thing that the squad is the best thing And so when other people who were Bernie supporters and squad supporters started to turn and we started to criticize them and critique them and say, we're not going to do the strategy anymore, then those some of those people will smear us as right wing because they fell into this idea of hero worship and they can't take it when people criticize their favorite politician. And I'm sorry, but I don't know how long that's going to last for people still trying to defend Bernie Sanders. Like I told you, people started to melt down yesterday. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Because how many I times wonder, does he have to I betray could, us? Throw... <laughs> oh, go ahead, Lance. Because you, what I was originally going to say, and then you brought it right back to it, really is uh, along the lines of what Noel was talking about with, uh, um, with Kashama Savant, which is no, 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 no. Leaders are fine, but you're going to lead our parade. You know, yeah, we're choosing you to lead our thing. We're not going to say, oh, yeah, we're going to go just give $100 million to Bernie and then, or to AOC and the squad so you can give it to corporate Democrat. No, you're going to spend it exactly on what we want, and you're going to do what we want. You're going to lead our – you know, you're going to be the leader of the corporation we formed or whatever, however way you want to put it. It's not like we're going to just choose you because we kind of like overall what you do. We're just going to give you all support no matter how much you waver or flip-flop or this or that. And maybe we don't have, you know, the longer the agenda that we say you're going to support, the more splinters you're going to be. So, of course, you have to be 
you know, as Kashama Savat would say, you have to be strategic about it. No, these five things are no, are not, are, are deal breakers. You're going to do these five things or so, or whatever. Here's five things that we really are strong on when we can cover. And here's five things that we, you know, whatever, but we're at, you know, so I think it's exactly what Noel was saying. What you're saying is that they're not going to be like these, like leaders, these hero worship. No, they're, they're going to lead the, like they, they, politicians tend to find the parade that fits what suits them and then they decide I'm going to lead it. It's like, no, you're going to lead, like I say, the, the parade that, that, that we are <laughs> guiding you on, not the other way around. You know what I mean? It's, yep. We no. picked the leader. The leader didn't pick exactly. us. And we could always get another leader. Yeah. And, and could, could I make one kind of distinction to something that really the first time I ever called Sabby, you schooled me. On about Fred Hampton because I and I you know I, I I misquoted myself but no I thought he worked with people that maybe were not so unreconstructed and you made it made it clear they had to cover their tech they had to be former KK they had to be at least reforming you can't quit booze on Thursday and say I'm not an alcoholic by Sunday you know but it was people that had disavowed that past and were moving forward right. okay and that's very important point now I don't think MTG is an Aussie okay but what I'm saying though is Tucker Carlson as far as I know. And Steve Bannon are the only two people, not Rush Limbaugh, may he rest in peace, you know, uh, not, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump, none of those people. The only two that the neo-Nazi David Duke types say that are Bannon, our guys finally in the White House. And there was messages coming out that were using the 88 symbols and all this stuff from the White House, probably Bannon and Tucker. They're the only two. No matter what else you want to say about Tucker, but I get a little nauseated about this, like, Tucker's the guy now. It's like, no, you, and nobody challenges him. I'm sorry, but you can't say to Democrat, well, well, we'll support you when you're this, but we're going to, you know, criticize you when you're that. Tucker says some nauseatingly racist things. And this idea that, no, we're just going to take him like the plus minus pass fail, uh-uh, buddy. Issue by issue. If you're good on that, great. But he says, continues to say some very anti-immigrant, very racist things. And like I said, the only two people that I know of, and again, someone can correct me, are Steve Bannon and Tucker Carlson, that the far, that the, not, not far right, that the neo-Nazis say, they're our guy. He cleans up our language, Tucker, and Bannon's our guy in the White House. So, uh, let's, let's be a little careful before we, uh, you know, start deifying freaking Tucker freaking Carlson. I'm sorry. But coalitions, absolutely. And let me just quickly say this though. I think a coalition could start from the true populist right, and then bring in the left because the left is so close-minded overall compared to the right. So I'm all about working equally with both sides, all sides, right, left, Marxist and yellow vests and all the rest of it. But we still have to be discerning about the individual stances that people take and not just take them, you know, one. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I think, yeah, uh, go ahead, G. Well, the thing about Tucker that's so important, and it's not just about Tucker the individual. I mean, although I think if you watch Tucker's show consistently like I do, he's been on the right side of history over the last couple of years, whereas I don't I don't know where the left was over the last couple of years, but they certainly were. I know a lot of anti racists. Yeah, I know a lot of anti racists who would who are down with my employers trying to put me out for not getting an injection. So, you know, I'll take a I'll take a so called white supremacist who's speaking out against, you know, medical fascism. And the medical Jim Crow over the anti-racist who was all for it, um, you know, so-called anti-racist or whatever. So-called, well, so, yeah, because yeah, um, I didn't see the left out there. Yeah, but issue by issue, I would do that. I would absolutely go on Tucker's show if he wants to work on something. But here's what I'm saying: 
If we're going to say on the on the phony right, on the phony left, maybe maybe there's issues that maybe a Democrat, let alone a Green Party or you know liberal or Marianne Williamson or I. But if we're going to pick and choose it, well, Marianne's good on this, but she's bad on that. I'm not going to take Tucker at face value as pass fail. No, if he's good on certain issues, but no, and he won't get criticized. I don't see anybody saying, you know, Tucker said all these great things, but you know what he said last week? Not that you have to, not that you have to balance it out every damn time you talk about him, but he consistently says really horrible things. When I only see defense and I never see criticism, it bothers me. Oh, I think we've been pretty critical of Tucker Carlson. Oh, yes. I don't mean you you guys even, but I just mean in general. I see like a tiny, tiny, tiny of like, I'm sorry, Russell Brand. I mean, it's like he's his best buddy. And well, Glenn Greenwald, I mean, that's his best friend now or best good buddy. And I I find that really strange because he again, I I, now I can predict what Glenn Greenwald is going to say. If it's a lefty, it's always going to be critical. He never criticizes. It's, It's getting weird. It's getting weird on that on him, but that's just between me and Glenn Greenwald or something. But yeah, no, I I think people are just quick to defend Tucker at everything, and I don't see a peep on a lot of the left of any criticism of some of the ongoing things that he says that are just really, really rank. I'm sorry, I, not you. I'm not saying you guys here at all. But I've always suggested that, and I like Bree a lot, lot, lot. And, and, and I'll just stop this, yeah, you know, with this. But you know, she's just not, you know, as lefty or as she wants to be neutral and sing kumbaya more, whatever. You know, I'm not going to go into a critique of Bree, but so again, I, I not that she's defending, you know, Tucker Carlson, but I, I think that there is a tendency to say, you know, yeah, I want to build coalition from the right and totally embrace people on the right, but. If we're going to, on the left, criticize people when they're wrong on things but right on things, we have to do it, not we, you, but in general, uh, when it's people on the right. I, I don't see enough of that on both sides. I think it's more like, let's criticize the left, 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 and let's kind of make sure we don't criticize these right-wingers that we want on our side too much. And I don't, well, I, here, the left, left, left has betrayed most of us because they're not really the left, left, left. They happen to be right, center, right. Uh, but no, but what I mean and is so, not everyone on the left. If we agree with Tucker Carlson on nine out of ten issues, and the one issue is a very important issue, we should definitely point out that, well, we don't agree on this issue, but we should try to get something done on the other nine. No, it ain't so nine left, out of ten that I agree left, with him. I will say, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I will say the left, left, left owes me a lot of money. There's, there's that, too. Yes. No, they betrayed us. We we supported them for a long time. We were all in on Bernie. Bernie betrayed all of us. That's, the, you know, and you know, I, I will also object, and this is something that Fox does. It calls the Democrats the left. The, Dem- the Democrats are the furthest thing from the left. They're not left. They're not even progressive, and they call themselves that. They don't call themselves the left now because they don't want to be associated with the left. They know they're not the left. They're neoliberal, corporate-friendly traitors as far as I'm concerned, and backstabbers. And we should come down as hard as we can on on those people because they're not forming a coalition with us anytime soon. No, the real left is who we're trying to form a coalition with, as well as as populist right-wing people who are not like, 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 like uh, was said earlier, um, these are, Fred Hunter got in a room with Klan's people who were reforming. 
So we have to talk. If these people want to, you know, we can weed out those people because they're right. not even interested in forming a coalition with us. Totally, totally. No, no, you're right, Dwayne. Just like Chris had just said, politics is a game of fear. So the more that there's coalitions made on the right, I mean, I, I know it sounds contradictory, but I'm saying all absolutely. The more that there's strength on the right and, 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 and true populist left coalition, that's going to put fear into the squad and these people. Not because they change their mind, but because they're going to lose their seats because we're going to primary them from the left. It's a game of fear on the left. It's not a game of, 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 of agreeing like it can be on the right. And, you know, I understand it's okay if some of the people on the right are going to use some of these things that they can overlap to get more independence and all that. I don't mind if they're playing politics. I'm just saying, though, we have to just really look underneath some of the surface of some of the things they want to do besides the things that we agree on. And it sure is a 9 out of 10 with Tucker. But, yeah, no, I agree. On the left, I've said it. That's why I say it should start with working on the right and then bring people on the left in because they're not – they're not listening on the left at all at all. And so it's a game of fear and it's going to be working with right wing coalitions and then putting the fear of just losing their seat on the left. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. I'm just saying I want to be discerning on some of these other issues that are also important. In other words, identity politics is real, politics is bad, but boy, it sure isn't as bad as true white supremacism. And, and there's a lot of that in Tucker. I'm and I have to agree that there, you know, people want to extend, I mean, the left, first of all, like you said, Dwayne, the Democrats are not left and that the has been bandied around so much and the true people on the left have been so marginalized that the true left really has no voice in the mainstream Definitely. because Democrats are more center and right than they are left. And that's been happening for a while. But to um, Lance's point, Tucker built a career out of being using a lot of racial tropes and being racist in his leaning. Now he's been exposed for, you know, telling these lies. And in his text messages, he was saying he didn't even believe the stuff that he was promoting to people. And can you imagine and not even imagine, but at least we need to deal with the damage that Tucker Carlson's platform created through Fox, spewing what we now know were lies that he didn't even believe. But yep. then all the, we express discontent. We, exactly. We express a discontent in this left space because we feel we have been betrayed by Bernie Sanders and others. And we're able to articulate how we feel what they did betrayed us. But on the right, there is no apology. There is no lining Tucker down for lying and spewing lies. He just gets to move to the side and get all the credit for the few right things he did. Yeah, but, like say, but, but like I say, you know what he'll do? He'll say uh, he'll do all these right wing supremacist things. Ha ha ha! He'll get his little stupid little frat boy little trust fund laugh. Ha ha ha! This is nothing different than I said. He'll he'll turn it back on you. You think Bernie would go bad on you? Yeah, put your face in Tucker. Uh, and I right. Yeah, I'm not saying that I like Tucker Carlson. I mean, uh, I think he's horrible. Like I said, a white supremacist. I'm not defending him. Although I will say 
that uh, one of the things that those uh, emails that came out did show is that he was expressing skepticism uh, about the whole election thing that the, his uh, whole station and whole party was running with about there being some massive electoral fraud that put uh, you know a Biden in power and and got Trump to uh, you know to lose that was all cheating and whatever he actually was consistent with with that he said it privately and he said it uh, on the air that he he was like uh, very skeptical about that but that's not the point uh, that's not where i'm going with this because i i'm not ever going to defend tucker carlson ever he is a white supremacist i i've listened to him he's a ra- he but you know what i think he's no different than many of the liberals in the democratic party who think of themselves as not being racist but really are tucker carlson doesn't think of himself as being racist but he really 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 is uh, and it's really disgusting and offensive, but you know we're not going to agree. And this is a huge thing for me because I, I can't stand racists. <laughs> I can't. I can't stand them. They tortured me my whole life in Staten Island, where I grew up. It was horrible living there. They call that place Mississippi on the Hudson for a reason, and they all vote Republican there. It's not good. But I know that we're going to have to do like Hampton did. Fred Hampton, and form coalitions, we're not going to agree with these people. We're not going to agree with these people on everything. Yeah, But we have to come totally. We have to do something. But here's the thing. Fred Hampton made it clear that you had to disavow of those racist ideologies and things before you could build coalition. And if they're with, if people on the right, and I mean, because the rank and file Republicans, I have no doubt are probably just as confused and discombobulated as the so-called Democrat base on the, um, with the Democrats. Mm -hmm. So I don't have that problem, but I'm saying these people who are in leadership positions, people who have had huge platforms, you cannot be so obtuse to, as to be a Tucker Carlson and not yeah. know what of you were course. doing. If he you knows. were expressing those reservations, he, you he, shouldn't have been out there. And then after the fact, when McCarthy gave him the footage from January 6th, he's going to mm-hmm. cherry pick it and show you people walking down the halls, opening doors. Well, no, no, what, we're going to disagree on that one because I do think that there was some insider help with that. I'm not saying there was not some insider help, but oh, yeah. what I'm saying is for... McCarthy to give footage to Fox and Carlson cherry picks the piece that makes it seem like it was a walk in the park. Now I'm saying there's, you know, there's balance in presentation and that's what you should be doing as media, not Mm -hmm. offering a position that you know is not true. We Mm -hmm. saw it with our own eyes in terms of those people storming the Capitol. So for Tucker to come and portray this as all the way something different yeah, that's a distortion. walk apart, that was that's a lie. That is a lie. That's exactly that right. was a lie. And he he needs to be called out and Fox needs to be held accountable because you are misleading people. That's well, not what remember, the, the news remember, is supposed to do. But remember, Noel, remember. Tucker Carlson and Rachel Maddow, remember, they were able to claim that they're not news. They're actually infotainment. And see, this goes back to what I've said before about networks like CNN and Fox News. I'm sorry, but CNN stands for what? Cable News Network, right? Fox News says Fox News. So if you're not news, 
then maybe you shouldn't call yourself news. Right. Neither one of them. Neither one of them. Neither one of them. Neither one of them. Yeah, this is the thing. We were talking about this on Rising, and people were like, well, technically, you know, Don Lemon isn't really a journalist, and da-da-da-da. I'm like, this is a news network. So if the people who are on these shows, if they're not actually covering the news, and if you can say things like, uh, Rachel Maddow is infotainment or whatever, then change the name of the network or something or, or something because you know, the number of Americans that I know that watch these shows and they think it is news. That's uh, the problem. That is a pr- big problem. I talk well, to those people who watch that. Ugh, they got some weird ideas and it's all because it came from that propaganda network. Maybe one of the things that sets Tucker, Tucker apart in the, in the space is, is courage. And I think that's when the chips are down, on average, there might be issues with Tucker and his presentation. But when the chips are down and when the serious issues going on and you really need somebody to step out on their own, away from the mainstream, you need somebody who has integrity and somebody who has an independent mind and somebody who has courage. And out of everybody who's in the mainstream media, Tucker is the person who stands atop that hill. And when people are being oppressed and people are being discriminated against, you need somebody like Tucker who's willing to put his finger in the chest of power and say, this is not appropriate. This is not acceptable. How can you say and- Tucker has integrity when he was proved through those text messages to be delivering messages to the people that he in his heart believed was not true. That is not integrity. Well, as the way pointed out, he went on TV and, and he said he expressed skepticism. It's like his family showed them swamp. He said that he said that Sidney Powell ain't have no cracking. He, he came out and, and basically he got Flack from his own side for basically undercutting what Sidney Powell was selling on his own show. Sidney so Powell is like, doing so crime. Like crime. It's kind of it's kind of low hanging fruit because a woman would have to have antennas to sound any more like an alien Martian. I mean, so I don't know. I don't know how brave that was because it was pretty. He also came out and said uh, that he knew they were going to crush him. I think Jimmy Dore played that the other day on his show. That they knew that he was going to. He had bar. He was. He had limited time to to tell the truth on that network because they were going to eventually can him. He said that. But the thing, right? Like, the woman. That, I don't know. Maybe the woman that had all this stuff on him. Maybe there was internal stuff that was going to get him anyway. And he's a. Uh oh. I did bad stuff. They found out all this bad stuff. They're going to can me. I better say it's for this other reason. These guys are very smart and clever. I don't trust. That's not why he said that. He wasn't saying that about uh, allegations okay. that were not proven. Right. He said it about. He said it about right. things that he knew yeah. that he was doing okay. on the air, which was right. like interviewing people like Jimmy Dore and okay. Max Blumenthal and talking about be. the Iraq War. I mean, the Iraq War, the Ukraine War. That's he knew what he was doing. He knew right. that. that. So that be. is integrity. I, I mean, he, I he, may, he may think that he's not a racist, which separates him in my mind, no, in no way from most Democrats who also don't think they're racist while they put 100,000 new cops on the street, for example, yeah. the president well, who well, tells well, people that if you ain't, you ain't black, yeah. if you don't vote for him. So how is he any I, different or better than a guy like Tucker yeah. Carlson? Yeah. Well, no, wait, no, one, let me one second, one, one second, really quick, Lance, one, one second. Um, I just want to make sure everyone talks like at one person at a time because um some people are crossing over each other so uh lance i'll go to you then i'll go to noel and then i want to bring it back to uh g 
So go ahead and unmute. Yeah, Lance. It's just briefly to piggyback on what, what to totally agree with what Dwayne's saying, you know, and it's not just about the KKK hoods on the ride and like the, the people that, you know, are untrustworthy liberals. It's deeper than that because I've experienced just living in the country is that sure, there's plenty of right wingers, let's say, you know, Trumper types, and they own businesses and restaurants in areas where they have to employ directly like people of color. Uh, or even on farms, but they're not all just people picking apples, you know, so they have to trust those people, people that work in cubicles, not that liberals don't own restaurants and have to hire Hispanic people and all that. Sure. But they work in cubicles. So here it is. Many of the 10% elites on the left, most of them, they work in cubicles and the only people of color in, you know, poor, well, poor you know, class thing, are, uh, mostly people of color are people that clean the offices where they work or do their yard work or are their nannies or do, do, you know, do take care of them. Whereas on the right, they have more of a rubbing elbows in medium sized towns, not necessarily way out in the, you know, and so they have to interact. I know that in the restaurant I worked in, we had to go and t- three of us, they picked me and two other people because we were the three best because the entire Hispanic crew quit because he pissed off the one guy who would like the chef. And it was just a sandwich and soup and, you know, some – anyway, the point is many people in that 10% on the right, they interact with, like, poor people of color in many ways in a way that people on the left just don't. So it's not it's, – it's, not, it's, it's not just that more racism because they don't like black people. It's like sometimes there's more people on the right and, uh, and conservatives that, that interact with more poor people and more poor people people of color and people on the left even interact with, especially when those people on the left go, went, all went to elite schools and their parents and grandparents all came from suburbia as opposed to people that may. Yeah. So on the rank and file, I know exactly what Dwayne's talking about. So it is, it's that, it really is that insidious on the left. It's a lot of it, worse racism on the left among liberals in a real day to day way than there is. Okay. Let me bring in uh, Noel and then we'll go to G. Um, I want to say in in response to what Dwayne was saying, I think the people on the left, like Joe Biden and the rest, understand that when they talk about adding police to a situation that is having a dramatically adverse impact on black people, they know it. They know they are just as racist and coddling racist and white supremacist ideologies as does Tucker Carlson on the right and Rupert Murdoch and all of these people. I think at the elite levels, they all know what they're doing because they all understand what the mass of this country operates like beneath the elite. They divide and conquer the masses intentionally and on purpose. And I think they all know what they're doing now, whether they will acknowledge that they themselves are white supremacists. That may be a different story. I can't get into anybody's head. But you know what you're doing when you know that we have the highest in prison population and the vast majority of those people are black and brown. And we know that statistically white people commit just as many crimes as do black people. So I think they know when they refuse to do legislation banning these assault weapons, that it is going to create a problem for the working class and masses. Nobody is really shooting up the elites. 
when the people came on January 6th in the immediate aftermath, they passed all counter rules and regulations pumping up security because they don't mean to be gunned down. I think all of these people know what they're doing. And I think that's the abomination before us that the elites coalesce around economics and they will do anything to protect and preserve the power that they have gotten a tight grasp on, including push white supremacist ideologies to keep the working class polarized around race. I agree. Okay, let's go ahead to G. Well, I, so regarding the, the gun laws, I think the whole point is to kind of keep law enforcement away from the communities that it's been oppressing uh, for years. I think the whole point of uh, Michelle Alexander's book is that, the uh, you know, obviously the crime bill, but even going back further than that, is to give the law enforcement enough opportunities through legislation uh, to kind of interfere with people's daily lives and interact with people in order to put them into the system. And I think more gun laws and all that other stuff all would just result in more mass incarceration. So I almost feel like we're almost going back to the to the early 90s where people are asking for more laws that are all going to end up in the mass incarceration problem that people are then going to decry, you know, and blame Joe Biden when it was black people who were begging for it in the first place. And I think we're kind of going in a, in a dark circle when we're continuing to ask for the same things that are, are just going to get more people put in jail. Like, All right, let's let's yeah. Okay, let's go ahead and bring in Frank cuz Frank, I know you've been waiting a while. Just go ahead and unmute and then I'll go to Eric. Hi, Sabby. Uh, I I I I've done plenty of uh of uh, uh working with uh right-wingers um especially on on police abuse issues. In fact, uh, I'd say most of the um cop auditors that have channels on YouTube um are are right-wingers and um uh, one of my friends that uh, is right wing and he, he's right wing because his, his parents left Cuba in, in uh, the early 60s and that stuck with with him. And and, uh, and um, he just said, you know, you can't get past him. Socialism bad. And that's 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 all he uh, thinks. But uh, he even said when I talked to him uh, Wednesday, he, he even said, um uh, I, I protest like a lefty, but I, I, I but I still uh, speak conservative. <laughs> so um, he's actually made federal case law um, uh, because uh, he had he wrote it pro se and uh, uh, where for qualified immunity uh, so that uh, you could record uh, uh, police in in uh, in in public. And it is that case law is Irizarry versus Yahia. And so that went to the 10th Court of Appeals and he won the, the appeals case. Um, and, and then uh, they settled right after that because uh, the qualified immunity didn't work. And he and I've just read last week uh, another case um, cited his case law uh, uh, of, uh, you know, to get rid of the qualified immunity for the for the police. So, um, and he, he's actually been one that has helped me with my, uh, he served a lawsuit uh, to our state legis mobsters on the state capitol. And, um, and we became in with that, uh, <laughs> we got arrested by the state troopers. 
who didn't want to um to serve wanted us to serve their serve um their serve the legislators their their lawsuit and uh so uh we got arrested and we we uh, we just we filed a lawsuit and it actually got dismissed but we uh the the judge actually committed quite a bit of perjury to do it because they don't want that they don't we're just asking for training of the state troopers in the state capitol to know what tr trespassing inside a public building is or disturbing the peace or or um uh you know pretty basic stuff to laws of uh, public buildings but they don't know them <laughs> and we we refused to show our ids because we hadn't committed a crime so they are so he arrested us and this and uh and there's been a couple other incidents have been quite public um just uh, three weeks ago they actually took uh three teenagers out of the house balcony um one one spoke um, louder than than uh, they wanted than the the sergeant at arms and the in the state police wanted so they actually picked up her and two of her friends picked them up physically and got and pushed them out of the building um which is of course a, more violations of the rights these people are not trained in those in the state capitals or other buildings um, of the government so um there's i think there's plenty to collaborate especially on police abuses um there's a lot of right wingers that really do not like the police abuse that's what i found too yeah, and see, this is one of the things that people don't find out unless they have these conversations with people. Exactly. And that, that's the yeah. thing is like, there's an assumption, at least in this country, that everyone who's right wing is like pro police and doesn't think the police should be held accountable and is against qualified immunity. Um, yep. or excuse me, is for qualified immunity. And that's not necessarily true. And that's the thing. If you don't have those conversations with people, then you'll never know. And so yeah. I think they want to prevent us from having these conversations with people. Absolutely. And I, I think yep. that as we talk about when we frame this, we also have to point out the fact that. Point out the fact that uh oh, Roger, you have an echo. Okay. Uh -oh. Roger, you have, have an echo. Out, okay. Oh, we also have to point out the fact that remember, wealthy people have solidarity, they always have. I they sat can... there and I watched like people in Newton. You know, Newton is a, a a city in Massachusetts. It's literally right outside of Boston, like 15 minutes outside of Boston. And part of Boston College is in Newton. It's really weird. Like part of it's in Newton, part of it's in Boston. I, I don't understand it. But anyway, um, but the point that I'm trying to make is that I watched all those wealthy people in Newton had no problem coming together to say, we don't need to bring in more affordable housing, but there's too many of those people here is what they said in so many words. So it's like they were all for it at first and they said, yes, we should give them a chance and an opportunity. But once there became what they considered too many of them, all of them, whether they were white, black, regardless, were like, OK, that's enough. Don't build any more affordable housing units. And this is the point that I'm trying to get across. Wealthy people yeah. at the end of the day. They come together and have class solidarity. Poor people a lot of times don't. And the working class, which I think is the largest segment of the population that we really have in this country right now, mm -hmm. for the most part, don't have it. And that's what they're trying to prevent. And that's why it is very frustrating and disappointing when someone like a Bernie Sanders, who actually built a movement that could have done that, 
decided to walk away from it. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Let's he, go he's... to um one second, Frank. I want to bring Frank, Aaron. I okay. And Frank, I think you have an echo. Could you just mute for just a second? Okay, Eric, go ahead, uh, unmute, and then we'll go back around. Just got a. Oh. Sorry. There yeah, you sorry go. about that, Savvy. Hey, great. No show. Worries. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. I just want to say awesome show. And your last points were probably some of the best as far as, you know, having the ability to listen to one another is what I love about the show. People can balance out and filter out the truth by having the ability to have these different voices, even on the Tucker issue, you know, whether you want to accept them or do it on a case by case basis, whatever the case may be. And not having a purity test, you know, because I can look at myself, you know, just looking at me in the mirror. I've been in different stages of my life, just speaking for myself and looking back at the person that I was when I was a certain age. I don't know that I would have liked that guy to be in alignment with me, but I got this far. And now here I am today listening to you, right? And listening to all these great people on this call. So there's, we can change, we can evolve, albeit, you know, the one guy that was saying, you know, the racist gave him a lot of shit, I guess, when he was growing up. Some of those racist motherfuckers I've also grown up with. And I can tell you, many of them stay racist, but not all of them. People can evolve. Things can happen to them. Somebody could be racist one day and they fall in love with somebody that they thought they hated. They'll change, right? Because they'll have kids with that person. So people can evolve, you know, and we need to give people that, that latitude, that ban to, to change. And maybe Tucker hasn't changed, you know, but he, but he has come across, at least in the latter years that I've seen him, uh, communicating to the larger public that we need to look at things differently. And for that, I can thank him for that because many people are listening to him. And I, you know, I'm on my... I think you cut out for a second, Eric. Maybe uh, try muting and then unmuting. I don't know if you can hear me or not. Yeah. Um... I came back in because you guys started talking about cops. Um, I sent you a video. I think Roger saw the video of how the cops busted into a guy's house. And uh, they, they, they tried to arrest him because he opened the door just slightly. And that was enough for him to bust in. And the other guys went in and they, they slammed him against the wall. And the reason for why they got into this guy's house is because he pierced that guy's son's ear. And they said some dumb shit, like some excuse. It was uh, against the law to perform body art or some shit. I'm like, really? That that that's the reason why you're gonna arrest this guy? There's a point where even the wife is like, why are you arresting him? They're coming out there, and basically somebody commented. I think it was JB saying, uh, "Can we now start to talk about you know qual get rid of qualified immunity or defund the police?" Mm. Yeah, it's interesting what they will get them for versus what they should be held accountable for. I've seen that in a number of cases, actually. But I think that, and I'll bring in, okay, there you go, Eric. Let me, let's try this again. Okay, Eric, I just invited you to speak. You just have to accept that. And then once you get in, just unmute. I apologize, Savvy. Somebody was calling me and, and something happens when somebody calls you. I go on mute and then I can't hang up the phone call. So I apologize. 
Oh, no, no worries. I think that's another thing with the app, though. It's my fault. But no, what I was saying was, you know, people have the ability to change. And I don't have to look very far to see that. Uh, there's certain things that people can commit that, you know, it's kind of hard to go back on. But I think we have to give people the space and the ability to change. And through their actions, not their words, decide if they're actually making a change. And, you know, like many of the stories that you, that you teach us about Fred Hampton, these guys that were racist, they had, this, uh, they had to denounce everything that they were doing in order for them to be in coalition, right? So we would need to do the same. But we have to be open-minded. We have to give people a roadmap to get there. If they're yeah. willing to listen to us, if somebody gives you their ear or you can see a spark in their mind, give them a chance. You know what I mean? Because maybe at the end of the, the, end of the journey, they can come to your side and be a better person for whatever it is, whatever that journey that you're taking with them. And this, this includes the, the likes of Tucker. You know, he has many years ahead of him. Maybe he can change on, the, on all these issues that he hasn't changed on yet. But we don't have to make it about him. You know, I'm just talking about in general for people. Uh, so, and, and that's why I love us getting together in this forum with the likes of all the people that are listening, that, that talk on this, on this, on this call-in app, because I get to look at myself. I get to either validate some of the things that I think about or maybe look at things differently because I'm hearing all these great people, the knowledge that they bring to the table and move us forward. And think of things that I would have never thought about just because I'm listening to you, Savvy, and the great people on this call. That, to me, is a blessing. The fact that I could hear all these great people and I'm like, wow, man, I never thought about things like that. Oh, I didn't think about this. I didn't know X, Y, and Z. And now I know it, so I'm a little bit better just because I'm listening to you. And, and that, to me, you know, it really feeds my soul where I am today in my life. So... Oh, thank you. That's really sweet, um, a kid. Yeah, one thing we have to keep in mind too, we we should take into perspective is that not everybody, you know, people who do have those views, we don't necessarily know how they got that way. But I do know that people aren't born that way. You know, so hatred is taught. It's not something that people are born with. No, so but you know, I'm gonna give the chance for anyone else to speak. But I'm just going to end it in that note, you know. I love listening to this because it really feeds me. When I'm listening to, whether well, it's Noel, and I can't remember the other gal's name that you always have that's really a great speaker. I forget her name. I always confuse Noel and the other gal. But I love listening to them because I feel Dale like I'm going Dale Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like when I'm listening to Noel, I can never speak so eloquently. And I can't even think like the way she does, but I love it because it makes me feel like, wow, I'm learning something. So thank you, Noel. Thank you for. Noel's doing the damn thing. All right, guys, I'm going to start to wrap up. So I just want to do a final pass through. Uh, let's go back to you, Frank. Um. I don't know if you got the email about uh, what the state Colorado state legislature did um, yesterday. <laughs> they, they actually tried to pass a bill, um, and they did eleven in their, through their committee eleven to zero to so that they can block anybody they please on Twitter, or Facebook, or any other social media for whatever reason they please. 
Wow. Come, I, I, I sent a link to an article on it too. So, if you have any other questions that I've been I've been listening to the hearing um, today, and and one of the things that he said is that. Um, the the bill sponsor, who, one was a Republican and one's a Democrat, and the Republican actually said uh, that we're really scared of uh, people that put into the um, into our uh, in our tweets uh, um, links um, to make money um, that are fake, and but. <laughs> So, and then he said that that gives makes us have a link to the underworld. Like I'm thinking, you are the underworld. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> There's some really bizarre stuff. <laughs> and of course, my state rep is actually blocking me on Twitter and both her campaign and her and her and, um, uh, page, regular government page. She has three pages. And she's blocking me on all three. Um, she can't do that on on two of them. And um, she's on that committee. And I think my friend was thinking that she they wrote that bill to pr- try and protect her. <laughs> it's bizarre. <laughs> That's interesting. Um... I didn't realize politicians were allowed to do that, actually. But that's that's interesting. All They're right. Let's go. I didn't think so. Let's go back to G. We're going to go back to you. And then I'll go to uh, Roger. So, G, you just have to unmute. There you go. Perfect. Well, yeah, just, um, you know, another great conversation um, you hosted, you know, as always. Just want to thank you for that. Um, and I look forward to the next one. And um, just keep an eye on, on unity and, and expanding the tent. Expanding the tent. Don't, don't let purity tests get in the way of bringing people like Joe Rogan and Tucker Carlson in when they have a, a voice that they show they're willing to use to bring people in. And that's all, you know, just be welcoming and, and if you be reform minded as well, maybe we can sit down and we can bring them over. We all, Tucker Carlson's already made his way over. He's apologized for supporting the Iraq war. What else is he going to apologize for in the future? You know, we got to we got to be optimistic and, and look forward to seeing that, because if he's able to apologize for that, which is a pretty big deal, considering that I, I don't hear people on the left apologizing for anything, but he's willing to apologize for supporting the Iraq war. I feel like there's, there's, there's growth that's possible there, a lot of growth that's possible there. And so let's exploit that and, and, and maybe use that to our advantage. That's all. Awesome. Well said. Roger? Uh, I forgot what I was going to say, but hey, Dwayne, you said did you, you was in Satin Island. Did you see Wu-Tang Clan growing up? That's the only thing I could think of. I guess he's not there no more. He's <laughs> muted. Dwayne, you're muted. You have to unmute. Oh. <laughs> oh, he's probably grayed out. Maybe he's grayed out. Um, oh, let me, oh, you know what? Let me ask you a question, um, Sabrina. How do you feel about community policing? Am I still grayed out? I don't think so. We can hear you now. Be good. Wu-Tang? Yeah, that was a little after me. They, they were kind of like... They were like... Uh, they were around. I know people who know know them. <laughs> I know I know the projects they grew up in. <laughs> Stapleton and what was the other one? Stapleton, that's right. There, there was the other one, um, Park Hill. Park Hill. Oh, yeah. These are. Yeah, I, I moved to Stapleton from West Brighton in 1980. 
Um, okay. Yeah. No, I love Wu Tang. Love the Wu. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know them. <laughs> I know people who know them. <laughs> right, right. But Sabrina, what are your thoughts on community policing? What do you mean? You talking about like neighborhood watch? I guess. Um, where you have like an independent board over uh, independent community board overseeing them. And well, in some communities, those have been known to work. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that could be better than the actual police. That, that's the that's why I was asking. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, but but in order for something like that to happen, you know what has to happen? What's that? You have to know your neighbors. Ah. <laughs> you have to get to know your neighbors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we the essential we live- part of organizing. <laughs> Which I think I think is uh, is necessary. I, I think people need to get to know their neighbors, and this is how we build community, right? Like those people, mm-hmm. like the neighborhoods that have neighborhood watch, like they know each other. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't stop. Uh, uh, what was his name? What the fuck? Uh, the guy who killed Trayvon Martin, uh, Zimmerman. That didn't stop him. Well, I'm not saying it's perfect, yeah. but you know, yeah, you might but, get you know, shot. Remember remember what I also said, um, um, Ashura. I said with an independent community board oversee the you know, overseeing them. So they yes. can't go Frank Castle on a mofo. I'm, 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 not, I'm not shitting on what you're saying. I'm just saying that uh, what happened it was the same thing uh Savage just said community policing. That guy didn't give a fuck. He didn't leave Trayvon Martin alone. He basically didn't know who he was and he just followed him. He just just left him alone. I hear I hear. I mean, you know, nothing's like foolproof one hundred percent or whatever the case is, but yeah. in Zimmerman's case he was looking for somebody to shoot. Yeah, and you gotta make sure that the But people... you know what though? Think about this, Ashura. If there let's say if there was an independent community board, right? He probably wouldn't have even gotten to that point. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You gotta, you gotta make sure like whoever's basically gonna be part of that watch, make sure they're not a fucking racist. Like Zimmerman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'll, I'll say two things here before I go. Uh, on the Tucker thing, I think uh, that ad kid said talked about it, like uh, Tucker hasn't still hasn't explained to give me the response that Jimmy Dore asked him. Um, does he think that black people are oppressed by the United States? And that they're basically getting, they're getting basically shafted. And basically, he said no, he doesn't believe that. And Jimmy, I don't know if you saw that interview. And Jimmy Dore looked like gave him an uncomfortable smile. So I was like, what the fuck is he saying <laughs> that black people are not getting shafted by the by the government? Yeah, didn't he say something like that about in response to a question about the criminal justice system being racist? Yeah, and he was like, no, no, dude, don't, yeah, don't no, no. <laughs> I remember. Like, I remember what I was going to say. Um, I was going to ask Frank. Frank, I thought they ended qualified immunity in Colorado. I guess I was wrong. All right, let me make sure. I want to make sure I get through everybody else. Okay, um, I just had one last thing. Um, the other one was uh, I was watching Donny Half Haifong video on the BRICS thing, and um, he said that BRICS, BRICS is going to take a while to get done. But if they're already starting the the foundations, why don't they start doing it now? Mm. You better check your currency in Canada. We already went through a load of bond. Yeah. 
Roger, um, he, this was a federal, this was a federal case for qualified immunity. Oh, okay. But you didn't end it in Colorado, though. I thought you did. Hmm. You know, across you the said anything? I didn't hear. Most people agree that qualified immunity should be ended. And civil asset forfeiture before. Uh, yeah, oh, that's terrible. That's like theft. That's what that is. I've had my car stolen. Civil asset forfeiture. Yep. <laughs> Just shouldn't be allowed to do that. I don't do that. Jeez, man. Jeez, All right, let's man. go back to um, um, listen, it's been a really interesting conversation as usual. Um, as far as everything goes, I would say one of the good rules of thumb is you judge a tree by the fruit it bears. And if I can piggyback on the Billie Holiday song, because Southern trees strange fruit and the blood on the leaves comes from the root. And that said, I would like to, I don't know how many people in the chat are familiar with Major General Smetley Butler. Oh, yes. Oh, sure. Before the turn of the last century, and he was responsible for a lot of U.S. military victories around the world, which made for the expansion of the imperialist project. However, he was um, invited to lead um, a type of insurrection against the U.S. government by capitalists, and he refused to do it. He wrote a book called War is a Racket. And and there is actually, I'm getting a feed. There is actually a audio version to it. It is absolutely amazing to hear what this man, who was a consummate insider in the military expansionist project, to hear him recount and hear his position about what war really is and who really benefits from it. And the thing that blew my mind away was what he said in the early 19 to mid 1900s is so true today till it is just ridiculous. And this was before the emergence of the military industrial project, yeah, it's profound. the military industrial complex. So I encourage anybody to um, get that book and read it or the audio version is called War is a Racket. And there's another great book written called Gangster Capitalism that delves into the Smedley story. I think it is just phenomenal. And if you gain insight into that America, which was the underpinning of the the America we live in today, you'll understand that whole connection between capital and the corporate culture and profiteering um, in a much, much better way. And you'll understand it better. And that's all I have to say. Awesome. Can I throw in just awesome. one book and then stop? Just one book. It's a new one, too, and it, it dovetails with that. It's called Palo Alto. It talks about 1870, Leland Stanford with the pitchforks outside his house that I'm going to create all the elites so we can control humanity. It starts in 18, Palo Alto, it's called. 
which is about that starting in 1870, which is almost overlapped with what's spending Butler's time. So yeah, another new book. Anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh awesome. So this is episode 100. So I think we're going to head out with uh, one of my celebration songs. I can't take credit for the song, of course. We're going to head out with I Love It. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. <laughs> My Con favorite part of that song is she's like, you're from the 70s, but I'm a 90s bitch. I love it. <laughs> we'll get your twerk on. Congratulations <laughs> on your 100th episode. Thanks so Sabrina, much, guys. Sabrina, we got to play uh, chess online. Oh, dear. Okay, let me sharpen. I had to sharpen up. I had to sharpen up <laughs> first. Problem. All right, guys, have a good weekend. Night, everybody. Bye.